0: Hello boys and girls, welcome back to the Primal Podcast. Just before Christmas, we finished 2020 with an absolutely stellar episode with Sean Command from Health Matters, where we discussed VO2 max testing, the different types of fitness, how to develop an understanding of how your body uses oxygen, and the best ways to train and practice to actually achieve your fitness goals. And the feedback from that episode was amazing. Loads of you seemed to really appreciate Sean's knowledge and his ability to break down some complex scientific principles into easy to digest explanations. But there's only one part of what Sean does when working with his clients. He's also a nutritional therapist and he places a huge emphasis on understanding your metabolic function or how your body actually uses the food you give it. Firstly, to create a healthy system overall, but also to maximize your performance and potential when it comes to getting bigger, faster, stronger, fitter and recovering and adapting properly to your training. I know I said this before, but this information applies to everybody because it doesn't matter if you're an elite marathon runner or a mom of three who wants to play with her children everyone will benefit from understanding how their bodies work and how to get the most out of their lifestyles. If you haven't heard my first episode with Sean, you should definitely check it out. It's number 16 on the list, but either way, this is another cracker. So no pause out and enjoy. Welcome to our shared journey to find the answers to questions about health, wellness, nutrition, performance, life, and success, and to craft the most resilient, hardy, and happy humans you've ever seen. Welcome to The Primal Podcast. Mr. Sean Cannan, welcome back to The Primal Podcast. Thank you. Thanks a million for coming back. Um, I'm, I'm going to say through popular demand, but uh, when we're recording this, we haven't actually released the first one yet. Uh, so by my demand, I've asked you to come back we'll again. we just
1: roll with popular demand. we
0: roll with popular demand, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let me, again, put some context on why we're going to have a second podcast together. When we did our first podcast, we talked a lot about VO2 max, aerobic versus anaerobic, exercise-based stuff. But before we had turned the mic on, I thought we were going to just talk about um, VO2 maxes. As a number. As a number, exactly. And then you came in and we had probably an hour and 40 minutes, well, maybe not an hour and 40 minutes, before we turned the mics on over conversation and we touched on, way more than just VO2 max so we decided let's split this up and, and, and do it in chunks so in this particular episode because we'll probably end up doing another one as well after this but in this particular episode let's touch on the nutritional therapy the metabolic side of things um, and see where we go with that um, but for people who may not have listened to episode 1 would you mind just a little 10 or 15 minute 15 <laughs> seconds, Uh just a little bit of context on what this area of your expertise looks like and where it came from
1: yeah, so I'm Sean Conan from a company called Health Matters. I set the company up in 2011, having worked with this type of equipment over in Australia. So I carry out metabolic and VO2 testing. So as you said, we cover the VO2 stuff. I want to go into a bit more detail with you regarding the metabolic testing because I'm working with the 10 years in Ireland and people still don't know it exists. Okay. Um, I have a very big passion for the industry I work in. I've done over 10,000 tests. I'm the most active tester in Europe in, in what I do. And I really, really enjoy what I do and trying to help people achieve their goals, be it weight loss, weight gain, energy, nutritional therapy, which we'll touch on, sports performance. I'm constantly studying, constantly progressing my own knowledge and hopefully help deliver that to people through super.
0: This. super. And I will, just before we start, I will absolutely recommend if you haven't listened to the first episode with Sean, go and listen to it now. It will help un- you understand a lot of the context of stuff we're talking about now as well. Um, but let's just dive straight into this. When you talk about metabolic testing or this whole metabolic world, you mentioned to me that a lot of people don't even know this exists. I absolutely agree with you because people think about metabolism as that typical. I have a fast metabolism. I have a slow metabolism. No, I have a broken metabolism. I have a broke metabolism. Ninety percent of people, in my experience, that's the only connection of this word metabolism in their brain. That That's what it means to them. But can you kind of blow the top off this yeah, for us a sure, little bit yeah. and give us a bit more depth on what that means. <laughs> right,
1: so let's get what metabolism is. So yeah. metabolism is the sum of all energy required to sustain life. Okay. Basically, so if you didn't move an inch in a day for 24 hours, you're still going to burn calories. You're burning calories because there's millions and min- millions of chemical reactions occurring and they all need energy. So or a more, BMR, basal or resting metabolic rate is the calories needed to sustain life in a 24-hour period. Okay. So people come in to me to get a metabolic test done. So probably take a couple of steps back. A lot of times people speak about metabolism from a weight loss perspective. And we know the kind of CICO method, calories in versus calories out. And we touched on it a bit last week that we know there's numerous different things that are going to be in play, sleep, stress, digestion. But theoretically, we know it's a mathematical equation. Energy in versus energy out is going to create either a deficit, a surplus or a maintenance figure. So why someone would get a metabolic test done is to measure exactly how many calories they're getting rid of rather than using and probably going back to the VO2 talk that we had people using generic formulas. Yeah. So, I do a bit of lecturing and one of the things that we do is when I do a lecture on metabolic testing, we would get a male and a female tested, but while the girl or the fella and the bloke are get, the girl and the <laughs> fella are getting tested, I would ask the class to break into groups of 3 and work out the metabolic rates of each one of the clients. Based on the formulas they use. Okay. So there's lots of different formulas out there. And some of the formulas come back at 1,000 calories off. Really? Like 1,000 calories off is is a lot. That's significant, yeah. Is a lot, you know. So the theory on metabolic testing and calorie expenditure. So in order for the human body to burn one calorie, you must consume 0.8 of a milliliter of oxygen. Okay. Okay, so we do a fourteen minute gas analysis test called indirect kilometry, or the system is indirect kilometry, and it measures how much oxygen you use per kilowat of your body, which will then determine your or more, your resting metabolic rate. Okay. So we have within fifteen minutes of you coming in to get a test done, we have your exact calorie expenditure as an hour or more rest. Okay. It's ninety eight percent accurate. Give or take thirty calories.
0: And that test is done with just you sitting it still. A complete
1: state of rest, no change of clothes required, no exercise. It's a four-hour fast, so coming in, having no food, tea, coffee or any stimulants four hours prior to your test. So you're in a state of rest, you're sitting down, It's um, um, the nose will be blocked. It's not a mask, it's a mouthpiece and nose clip, so all... The gas exchange is going to be measured through, through the mouth. So in and out, nice steady breaths. No irregular deep breathing patterns. I'll be in the room to make sure a baseline is established. And then we look at and we'll leave you there. If you wanted to, to read a book, fine. Discouraged, standing up, swinging in the chair, yeah. even getting distracted. Some people bring, when we do corporate work, bring their email in and want to do emails. Absolutely no way. So just com- completely relaxed. Now, before we start the test, we're going to weigh you. We're going to get your height. So weight's really important. People come in and go, OK, well, what weight are you? I'm um, 70 kilos. I'm like, OK, well, when did you last weigh yourself? Uh, you know, no, 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 I don't know. Like, when did you last weigh yourself in the last 24 hours? No. OK, we're doing it. And then they're going up to 73 or 74 kilos. Yeah. But the point on my accuracy request on the weight is because of the requirement. It's 0.8 of a milliliter of oxygen per kilo of body mass, which will then determine this number. Before we get the test started, I'll go through your lifestyle, your steps, your job, your commute to work. Do you take the stairs instead of lift? How often are you exercise and what's the intensity? Do you have kids? Do you have a dog? You know, and people are looking at me, all these questions, because what we do is based off your aura more, we will use a algorithm. And I know I've been criticizing algorithms, <laughs> but it's based off your numbers, this one, to work out your lifestyle and activity calories. OK, so we get your aura more. We get your lifestyle activity and it even gives a prediction on exercise. Now, it, it states on the on the printout that it's exercise considered a brisk walk for 30 minutes. When you do metabolic testing with VO2 testing, we have exact calorie expenditure when you exercise. So that's where the two tests meet. So ah, we have metabolic measurement in a state of rest, lifestyle activity and exercise. And now we have a complete handle on calorie expenditure. Yeah. So if we know how many calories you're getting rid of, we know how many calories you need to bring in in order to achieve whatever your goal. If your goal is weight loss, we need a deficit. If your goal is weight gain, depending on what weight we're looking for, we need adequate protein, we need a calorie surplus, hopefully, or slightly just under overall expenditure. And we look at different ways, muscle stimulation, everything, if it's muscle weight. But a lot of times people are coming in from a weight loss perspective. Okay. And they've used a generic formula that says, okay, I'm eating 1800 calories. And I'm not dropping any weight. Yeah. And then I measure the or more is fourteen thirty. Okay. So we know that their calorie input is keeping them in maintenance. Then people go, but I'm moving, but I'm walking, but I'm exercising. Your lifestyle, your activity, they're variables. Your exercise intensity, your exercise quantity in a week, they are variables that will change, and they're out of our control sometimes. Like I planned. Like last year, for instance, I did. I said my aim was to do 200 training sessions in the year. I documented every one of them. I did 225. This year I wanted to beat it. I didn't know COVID was coming. I can tell you right now I didn't beat it. Or if I have a a busy day where I can't train or if I didn't drop the kids to school or if I didn't have to take the stairs as often as I would or if I had to do a day where I'm sitting down doing a podcast for a few hours, my steps aren't going to be as high. So the variables associated with calorie expenditure, with lifestyle, activity and exercise shouldn't really be taken in that's wrong. I shouldn't say shouldn't be taken into consideration. But what we have to figure out is our baseline. Okay. So what is always going to expel? If I don't move an inch in a day, I'm going to get rid of this. So that's going to be my focus. I need to start to aim my calories based at my or more, And then we can look at bringing some more back in, depending on intensity of exercise, how many steps you took. Did you walk the dog twice? Did you have three kids where you're out in the park with them? Like We look at the variables then in a yeah. bit more detail. But we need to get that or more right. So once we get that right, we can then implement a plan based on calories or macros or whatever way you want to do it, hopefully to help you achieve your goal. Okay. Okay. Now, people come in to me and that's the opening line. I have a slow metabolism. Yeah. I'm looking at them going, well, you probably don't. And one of the things you have to take into consideration, the bigger the person, the bigger the metabolism because they require more energy to stay alive. So you get someone that's 100 kilos and says, oh, my metabolic rate's broken. That person that's 100 kilos is going to require significantly more calories than I require to stay alive. That's as an example why males have higher metabolism than females, generally because they weigh more. But it's body composition, like muscle weighs the same as fat as the same as concrete in terms of a pound or a kilo. But a pound of muscle will burn three times more calories than a pound of fat. Because it requires three times more oxygen to survive. Yeah. I've probably gone into a load of different points there. No, no, you're you're consistent. Let's look at it from a perspective on on that weight. Let's go back a few steps. The weight is the big one. So the bigger you are, the more energy you expel. Now, don't get me wrong. There is times where people come in and their metabolic rate is low. So you'll get what we get when we test you. We will grade your metabolism as a percentage. Is it positive or is it negative in relation to your age, height, weight and gender? So you're looking at most times there's going to be, I'd be happy with like a 7 to 8% swing. So if you came in, your metabolic rate was 8% negative, for instance, I wouldn't be overly concerned. Yeah. We can change it. And we'll go through ways about doing that. If you came in and your metabolic rate was 30% negative, I'd be like, okay, we might need to start to look at thyroid function here. We need to get, need to get some blood analysis done. But that opening statement, oh, my, my metabolic rate's broken. It's not true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's not true 97% of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just the value, understanding input, identifying what a calorie is, speaking to them about macro breakdown, talk about hidden calories and we, we, we'll go through it all. Yeah. You know, Th-
0: this this and this is for people who maybe listening, saying oh, calories in, calories out again. This is a really contentious point sometimes, but what I'm gonna describe this at uh, in this conversation is the starting line. This is the starting line because calories in, calories out is your foundation for change of body competition, competition, composition. But it is the foundation where people start to get a little bit antsy about this is always not talking about macro and micronutrients. He's not talking about hormone functions, it's talking about all the other things that are important for weight loss and weight gain and performance and all that. You're gonna you're gonna talk about all that as well, because that's a massive part of the the race, as yeah, opposed yeah. to this, 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 the start line. Um, but that that's an excellent description of RMR and the 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 kind of the starting point for you need to understand this basic requirement. What type of fuel do you need? What numbers do you need for you? Because it's going to be different from everybody else. And if I'm a 100 kilo bodybuilder and you're 100 kilos, but you sit on the couch all the time, the chances are we're also going to have different requirements. Or even look at it weight. from
1: a perspective of two friends. Yeah. Okay. Call them what you want. Let's use Mary and Sheila again. Pardon All right. Mary. She's getting a roast. Tomorrow. Right, so they roughly weigh the same, maybe, or there's a slight difference in weight. So straight away, there's going to be a difference in overall calorie expenditure in a state of rest. Yeah. Then you have Mary who drives to work, gets out of her car, goes in, sits at her desk, gets back in the car, drives home. Sheila gets the bus, so she has to walk to the bus stop. Then the bus is full. She's going to stand. She's going to get off early. She's going to walk. She's going to take the stairs instead of lift. She does exercise. She goes walking a bit more. So her overall expenditure goes up and up and up and up. That's why Sheila drops weight. Yeah. That's why Sheila maintains weight. Mary doesn't maintain weight. They might eat the same, but Sheila's getting a bit of more calories. Like I love the point that Owen Lacey said on one of the podcasts. I think he might have even said it to me when we we done a live Instagram. He's like, like the Krebs cycle doesn't know what a calorie is. It it's, it's a man-made measurement yeah, of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we, like if we look at a calorie, it's just a unit of energy. All macronutrients have calories in them. So we're looking at understanding what we're putting into our body on a day to day basis, looking at the calorie breakdown or the macro breakdown and understanding why we're creating weight, sorry, why we're not achieving weight loss. So a lot of times people will come into me and they'll say, oh, I just I just can't lose weight. I'm like, but you're not gaining weight. Is that correct? That's that's correct. So we know that calories in are matching calories out. So we need to tip the scales the other way by creating a deficit by do we need to move a bit more? Do we need to look at is the sour cream sauce added to our potatoes going to be worth the extra two to 300 calories as well? There's buttercream and milk already made in the mashed potatoes, yeah. you know, so it's just about understanding and identifying the calories. Now, what it's also used and one thing that's recently because we do a lot of corporate work is people that physically don't have enough energy. So if you get a measurement done, your metabolic rate, really, really high. And then you say to me, oh, I just know energy, Sean. Well, 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 how many times do you eat in a day? I get a breakfast, definitely don't get a lunch and work because I'm too stressed. Get home, gobble my meal on the go. So you're probably having about 1,200 calories. Your weight could be dropping or could be just stable. Maybe uh, a, a light female in terms of weight, but she doesn't have enough energy because she's not putting enough food back into her body yeah. compared to what she's expelling. So we can get a handle on calorie expenditure from an energy perspective. And then for those that are looking to gain weight, mostly looking at a young bloke coming in, want to gain muscle. As we spoke about previously, it's not something that you just turn the light on and say, I'm going to gain muscle. But a lot of times they simply don't eat enough. So when someone wants to gain size, they tend to be eating really clean. Chicken breast, spinach, just chicken and veg. There's not a lot of calories in them. So they neglect the calorie side of things. So you're like, look, you need to eat 4,000 calories a day. They're like, well, I'm only eating 2,000. I'm like, yeah, so let's look at implementing, bringing in avocado, nuts, seeds eating more of this, where we can get it in, chia seeds on our salads. You know, are we going to use a good oil? Are we going to have some crushed nuts in a, in a smoothie? Are we going to use the likes of udos oil? You know, so looking at bringing in calories from a gain perspective. And again, it's all coming back to And as you mentioned, this is the start line, but it, it's your foundation. Yeah. So you can't build a house without a foundation. So we look and make sure that, and I would have said that in regards to aerobic training, but we have to understand the physiological makeup of you as an individual, not comparing yourself to your friend, your sister, your brother. And when we have a handle on them baseline numbers, we then can create a plan for you. So the testing is, ba- I've done this testing for 10 years. People still don't know it's available. It's a very, very simple test and it's it's gold standard. It's, it's 98% accurate. You know, so it, it's very, very achievable or very attainable to get done.
0: Yeah, um, you you said something there which I've heard, must have heard hundreds and hundreds of times, and it's this: I'm not losing weight. I'm doing this. I'm dieting, and it's usually I'm dieting, but I'm not losing weight. Mm. I'm going to see my PT, but I'm not losing weight. Uh, I'm, and this is not. I'm not trying to trying to smear any sort of weight loss facilities or anything like that here. But when you go to these facilities and you, you're working with somebody. Do they generally like, I mean, you, you train these people. Do they generally use these formulas to calculate this number for a person? And is that usually the reason you see why people aren't losing that weight? Because they've, they've got because I know loads of people who've gone, they're doing tra- and they seem to be working quite hard, but they're, they're doing their training and they're on their diet and they're in a calorie deficit. They're not eating anything. Their energy is low, like you've described there, and they're not losing any weight. Why, why is this RMR not being used in all these situations? Because it seems like it could be the answer. I I like Not the answer, but it could be very helpful data. I don't know. Yeah. You know. Um, but it probably, it's probably just <laughs> these formulas that are being used. It is,
1: but I also think inaccuracy in tracking. Yeah. And um, one of the biggest things I see is inaccuracy in tracking. Or the weekend warrior. Okay, yeah. Let's use some simple maths Monday to Thursday, 500 calorie deficit. So 2,000 calories coming in Friday morning. On, weight, on goal to drop half a kilo a week. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 700-calorie surplus, 2100. So you're in a 100-calorie surplus at the end of the week. Yeah. At the end of the year, in a 5,200-calorie surplus, which is a couple of kilos. Now, people don't realise this happens. People don't realise the week is only seven days long. So for 42% of your week, you're just giving it up. Yeah. So what you need to do is start to claw back percentages. Okay. 14% a day, take it back. So don't lose the plot Friday. So, Friday lunch, Friday morning's normally okay. Friday lunch now maybe different now because of COVID, but out with the lads for lunch. Yeah. Okay, you might get a slap-up meal, crisps on the side, might get chips, burger. All of a sudden, you're already in a calorie surplus by lunchtime. It's always someone's birthday, donuts around, crisps around, go home, couple of beers, and then you're under the impression, ah, sure, look, I've done one day, I might as well keep going. Yeah. Now, the inaccuracy in tracking is something that's major. Oils, sauces butters I've had not fights with people but I've had people get very annoyed with my black and white approach of okay you're in a calorie surplus no no I'm not I'm in a deficit but you're not losing weight yeah but I'm in a deficit you're not in a deficit the recent one um, a girl told me she was eating 800 calories a day and I mean adamant she was yes. eating 800 calories a day she wasn't eating eight hundred calories a day because she was having four bulletproof coffees with coconut oil. <laughs> Two hundred and fifty calories in a co- in a bulletproof coffee. She's having four of them a day. She wasn't counting that. No, that's a thousand calories. So she was having eighteen hundred calories. Light bulb moment. Reduced it. Weight came off. Yeah. Oil, sauces, and butter. So the likes of how we cook our food. Carbohydrates. We tend to have massive amounts of oil, sauces, and butters with them. Making mashed potatoes. As I mentioned, the likes of cream, yeah, milk, butter, milk, butter yeah. roast potatoes, oil, more butter, sauces. And people don't think it because liquid calories don't make us full. Yeah. So any accuracy of tracking on them as well. Okay. Um, understanding kind of your blood sugar imbalancing. So getting up in the morning, having a poor quality start to your day, maybe coffee and a breakfast cereal, which is going to increase your blood sugar, then your hormone insulin is going to be released, which is going to drop your blood sugar, which is going to create cortisol, which is going to increase cravings, mood swings, brain fog. And what are the cravings going to be? They're going to be poor quality food. So accountability is very, very important in this journey. Your metabolism isn't broken. Yeah. You're just putting the wrong fuel into your body. And we can look at the kind of digestive impact and stuff when we start to look at the nutritional therapy. But get back to the start line, get back to the foundation. The foundation has to be right. And that's going to be energy requirement or energy demand or energy expenditure and looking at your overall input on a day to day basis. Yeah,
0: yeah. And what about the other? Let's take this lady who's on 800 calories uh, a day. Now, let's imagine she's not having the butterproof coffees and she's still on 800 calories a day, but she's still not dropping weight. Are there other elements? No, she's not. She's not. She's okay. eating
1: something else. Now, there is other elements, okay? But the, I love this. I love, I heard recently, and don't quote me on it because I don't know anything about celebrities, but some girl <laughs> was being interviewed and she said she lost so much weight in the jungle in I'm a Celebrity. Yeah. She wasn't being fed. Yeah. But she previously has like weight loss DVDs and something and she never changes shape or she never drops it. She says she's never been able to drop weight. Because she's putting too much fuel into her body. Yeah. Like in order to create weight, there has to be an energy surplus. Yes, there's going to be many contributing factors, but it's about understanding. Like if, if calories didn't matter, as an example, there'd be no people stick skinny that are dying of malnutrition and starvation. You know what I mean? Like there's, you don't, or um, I, I can't drop weight because I'm not eating enough. What? You're, you're definitely eating enough. You're either not tracking you're forgetting you're eating, you're eating out of habit or use me as an example, I eat the kids' dinners when they're not eating them. I taste the kids' dinners. When I'm making the dinner, I taste it. So you're you tracking all of this and you know, there's just so much or not understanding how much calories are in, like a tablespoon of olive oil, 122 calories. You're not just going to use one tablespoon of olive oil. Yeah. You know, so are you having 500 calories in oil that you didn't even think about? Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's, it's really has to be clarity on exactly what you eat. So in a practical,
0: uh, practical sense, when you talk about counting calories, I'm allergic to it right now. Mm. I'm lucky enough that I've never really been in a position where I need to lose weight or I've had a health issue related to weight. But I have been and I'm constantly in like probably most lads listening in in a a, a situation where I want to gain muscle for whatever, for for sporting performance. Some guys it's for aesthetics, whatever. And it's the same kind of theory, just the opposite way. When I talk about weight loss, I talk about weight gain. So you still have to understand calories in, calories out. You have to track what you're eating. Now we'll get into the understanding, the quality of the food that you're eating and the micronutrient side of things, because that's massively important. But from a number tracking point of view, it is a pain in the ass. And I've been allergic to it my entire life. And I've understood, like we talked on the last, I've understood now the importance of testing and understanding the data to actually be able to achieve a goal because I was the guy who just tried everything and oh, nothing's really working. I trained everything. I'm not really improving until I started testing. But from my food point of view, when you talk about tracking calories... You enter into an arena where people get really annoyed and upset. And some people are justified because you're in the realm then of becoming obsessed with numbers and eating disorders and thinking about the number of qualities and writing down every single thing you eat. So how do you manage that with clients and how does that conversation come up when you talk about like you're obviously very, very adamant on the importance of understanding your energy in and your energy out. And that's a number. You need to know what that number is. And you start off by understanding your your resting metabolic rate. So how, how does that conversation play my out in your world? My
1: goal to get people to track is to get people to understand what they're eating. Okay. That's my whole goal. Like if I say to someone, all right, what did you eat last week? Well, I don't know. I mean, how many chocolate bars did you have? I don't know. How many biscuits did you have? I don't know. How many bits of broccoli did you have? Well, I definitely don't know. Yeah. So what they do is they start to get an education. So it's empowering the client to take control of their own life. I don't need them to do this endlessly. Yeah. I need someone to say, okay, I'm going to, and I always ask people, give me six weeks. We generally do the same thing over a two-week period anyway, all right? So realistically, you need to tune into it for a a solid two-week commitment and then we repeat what we eat. Yeah. But then complacency comes in. You're like, that's 30 grams when it's really 50. Yeah, yeah. You know, so complacency is a different thing. Consistent adherence, but it's education and it scares to be is out of people because they don't realise that they eat what they eat Yeah, you know and it's accountability we need to critically evaluate and we don't do it enough use the example of I've tried every trick in the book to gain weight but I can't do it alright well step out of being Dan Yeah, overview what's stopping Dan from getting there so you don't have answers for yourself if you came to me I'd say okay do this 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 Jay's never thought of that you know see we're, we're too I don't think we're critical enough on ourselves yeah Um. And don't get me wrong, my loss is simple, but it's not easy. Oh, I 100%. agree with you. It's me. not easy yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's adherence, you yeah. know, and accountability and yeah. everything that goes with it. But it, it, answering your question, it gives the client an education and an empowerment to achieve success long term without me. Yeah. You know, and that's what I'm looking for. I don't want Mary to be tracking calories when she's 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. track calories. Yeah. I... You don't track calories. I have never. How do you know what's going in and what's going out then? Because I don't have a goal in terms <laughs> of body composition change at the moment. This
0: was my next question. For the average person listening who just wants to be healthy, because when, when people hear this, when they hear, and I, I was the exact same, and I'm still a little bit in my back of my head now thinking the exact same thing. When you hear about this, tracking calories in, calories out, everyone goes to the documentary they saw about measuring the cup of rice and how many. And for most people, People who are really into this, they like that. But for most people, they look at that and they go, Jesus, Christ, the thoughts of having to measure and getting obsessed and they go "Ah, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm not getting obsessed with my food and counting mm-hmm. the amount of raisins I eat and how many grains I write. That's where they go immediately. And yeah. that's where I go sometimes as well. So you're not saying if you're on a weight loss or weight gain journey, you need to know this stuff. But for the average person who just wants to maintain a healthy lifestyle and wants to make sure they don't go into a calorie Absolutely surplus. Absolutely right? no way. OK, no way. So how do they know?
1: In terms of calories, they, n- they know because they... They're not th- gaining or, the gain or losing weight. Okay. They're not gaining or losing weight. Their clothes fit them consistently. Okay. Okay. Their bell movements are regular. Their energy good. Their sleep is good. You know, so what is your goal? Like how, for me, for food, from a perspective, is I look at my day and go, okay, I need to get as much good quality food in, as much fruit and vegetables a day with adequate protein with all main meals. Is the food, did, was it grown a tree? The on the ground, was it alive? I'll try and eat as much real product. Decrease the quantity of processed products. Like if you were to say to someone, okay, I don't want you to track calories. All I want you to do is eat real food. I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Because your big calories are going to come in with your processed food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so if somebody was then again to critically evaluate and go, I'm not counting calories. How many times a week do you have jarred sauces to make your food? Yeah. How many times a week do you have bread that has 50 ingredients in it? You know, like you look at my Cambridge bread compared to a different brand bread. You know, like they try and get the product as natural as it possibly can. Try and get away from your jarred tin food. Can be okay, like the tin fish, mackerel stuff, like sardines. They're fine because they're natural. Like they're just the product with maybe a small bit of preservative in it. But you go and look at the back of a famous. Bolognese sauce, you can't even pronounce half the ingredients in it. Look at the sugar, look at the fat. So get your food back down to the basics. Yeah. Pro- adequate protein, so protein of first importance with all main meals, going to help control that blood sugar and balancing. Look at veg, look at fruit, look at the grains, the good carbohydrates. And then you can look at the smallest things, the yeah. oils, the sauces. But standard meal, spaghetti bolognese, bundle loads of pasta yeah. with a processed sauce. With garlic bread. Yeah. You know, oh, sounds carb heavy, carb <laughs> heavy, carb heavy. <laughs> but we and if we flip the plate around then and go, our protein sources are first importance. Then we address our veg or our salads. And then we address bring in the carbohydrate sources. Yeah. Like you're never going to have someone that's going to be able to eat 800 calories of broccoli. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? You're going to get full on eating higher quality vegetables bigger dosage of them, better quality protein, keeps you fuller for longer, takes twice as long to digest, you burn more calories digesting it. And there's just, we need to look at our food a bit more and be accountable. Okay, yeah. That's what it probably comes down to. A lot of times we eat our habits. So like I read a book, The Power of Habit, really, really interesting oh, very book. very good book, very and good And they spoke yeah. about the fella at four o'clock every day that went and got a cookie. Yeah. But what it turned out was he just needed social interaction. Yeah. So are we eating out of habit? Yes, we are eating a habit. Most times, uh, get the kids down. What do you do? And I hear it often. I can't just have one biscuit. I eat the pack. I'm like, well, don't bring the pack into the house. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I I get criticised for how black and white I am about it. I would never encourage someone to go cold turkey, but make better bad choices. Yeah. So if you know. Better bad choices, I like that. So uh, what my weakness be would be crisps. Okay, and I could list brands off here I till adore, the cows king. come home. King. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, well, this podcast is over. Thanks very much, Sean Canard, for coming in. <laughs> um, but the likes of Treble Crunch, Mini Skips are less than 100 calories. Hunky Dory's are 230. You saved 130 calories in a pack of crisps.
0: You are gonna be people's favourite nutrition advisor now. Okay,
1: but look at it in that spent. Or recently, um I was talking to Stephen Teardy, he loves it, we we laugh about it. a pack of Chewets is a hundred calories in it. A pack of its you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. there's better bad choices out there. So you need to evaluate, okay, well what is your weakness, what is your go to and how you can change it? Okay. Or the likes of you know you're going out Saturday night, get up a bit later or go into that state of where I'm not going to have a breakfast. I'm going to have a brunch. I'm going to have a slightly bigger. So your overall input throughout the day is managed, you know, or if you have a load of events coming up, just accept you're not going to lose weight that time. You're going to go out. You're going to have a better balance with your friends, your family, your mental health is going to be better. You're going to go out and have a good time and just be happy in in that moment. Everything isn't about weight. And you have to realise that as well. And one bad day ain't going to break the camel's back. So one bad day, get back on the wagon. Prep yeah. your food, batch cook, know what you're cooking, know when you're cooking. The dinner the night before can be the lunch the next day, make a bigger portion. But accountability is is so important. We arm you with these numbers. You then go implement them into your life. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you're, you're dead right, and it's, I, I like that answer, you're dead right with the empowerment side of things because what helped me with my example I gave of being t- terrified of the numbers and what helps loads of people, Joycey, which, which is what you've just explained, I now understand the importance of it and it's no longer to get freaked out about how many grains of rice are in the cup. Now I have a general idea from understanding energy and energy, our quality of food, all that kind of stuff, how what my week generally should look like and if I stick to that I'm going to be in this and if I want to change that I need to add a little bit more good quality food if I want to change it the other way I need to take away a little bit more good quality food but be aware of the minimal deficiencies and all that kind of stuff so that's giving me back more confidence and tracking my food and I'm still not counting numbers and
1: then with the tracking again is you get to realise that 5 cashew nuts is 100 calories yeah, yeah, yeah. so fat as a macronutrient 9 calories per gram avocado is a bit of a buzz at the moment people are smashing 2-3 avocados a day <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean and they're getting massive amount of calories in from them. So it's that education. Yeah. We don't need it long term. I don't do it. I could tell you roughly how many calories I eat a day, though, just yeah. because of my job and my knowledge and my understanding of what I'm eating. and But how I try to bulk my food up with vegetables yeah. all the time, salads, you know. But I also think a really important point is if you don't like it, don't eat it. Use avocados as an example. I hate avocado, avocado. so I don't eat it. I don't like spinach. I don't eat it. So if someone's like getting sick at the thoughts of having spinach with their lunch because Sean spoke about bringing in higher quality greens, don't do it. Find what works for you. If you find you only eat broccoli and carrots, there are vegetables. Then we look at what fruits you're going to eat, how you're going to implement them. Can we try it? What's your fish intake like? Are we going to be able to bring it in? What's our protein sources like? Are you having, do you class a slice of processed ham on your sandwich protein or do you cook a joint of bacon at the start of the week and make your sandwiches out of it? So then you're fuller for longer because the protein you're getting more in, you know. So there's, there's a deep requirement to understand nutrition to be successful in weight loss. Yeah. I like that one. That's fucking. That's <laughs> going to be the little uh, soundbite yeah, we take yeah. from this uh, from this podcast. But there is, you know, and again, and I know I keep repeating it, but personal accountability, yeah, has to be. You have to take control of this. We as professionals will help you on the journey, but I, I know when people walk out my office, they're not going to do what I ask them to do. Yeah, and I know that from reading people for ten years, or saying it's too difficult, or giving me examples of why it's too difficult, but making that extra portion, planning ahead, understanding your food, getting away from your jarred sauces, where can you save calories? Look at it. And a lot of the times, you don't change your life drastically by just reducing calories. Yeah, yeah. It's increasing the quality of the food to achieve a goal that's going to make you happier. But it's also going to make you healthier. And I think, and it's a bit of a taboo subject at the moment, people think, call it fat shaming and X, Y and Z, but we know the heavier you are, the less healthy you're going to be long term. Yeah. The higher chance you're going to have of developing serious illness. And people don't like to admit that or people don't want to talk about that. I talk about it all day. Yeah. You know, if you drop weight, and you get down, and I'm not a massive fan of BMI because of it doesn't take body composition into play, but if you reduce your weight, if you know you're carrying weight, it's going to have an impact on your health. It's going to have an impact on many many different aspects of your life Yeah. so don't be don't look at it as oh you're only fat shaming you're not you're making a better choice to provide a healthier future for you and your family yeah
0: absolutely yeah and you mentioned that you know people when they leave are not going to follow the advice that's why conversations like this I find very very important because Mm -hmm. someone might be with you for half an hour or an hour but they can listen to you speak on your Instagram lives on your podcast they can listen to guys like Owen Lacey and Robbie Bennett they can listen to constant conversation from people who understand this and it starts to sink in and starts to permeate society. And people are now talking about this. I had a conversation about a month ago with somebody who, who commented on the amount of PTs, personal trainers, who we, we unfairly gave a bit of a slap with a stick earlier on while I did, uh, are, are now becoming much more aware that there's a whole other world of stuff that they're introducing their clients to, and um, which is brilliant. People are having these conversations around their dinner tables, which is brilliant. So this stuff is really important, and I think this is what will help your clients adhere a lot more to the stuff that you're talking about because you're, you're not just there in the consultation. Now you're on this podcast and on this Instagram line and you're constantly there and they follow you and they buy into you and then they start to understand and then they're empowered because they're, they're following it's you. It's not about buying into me. Well, it's buying into the information.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's about buying in for themselves. Yeah. You know, um, and one of the big issues I think is who you surround yourself with. It's vitally important that you explain that the journey that you're about to enter or go on is critical that they're on board with you. Use a husband and wife as an example. Yeah. Like if and I had it last Saturday, I was working with a husband and wife and I know the husband and I said, like it's critical that you get on board with her in order for her to achieve this goal. If you have 15 snacks bars a day and three wagon wheels, don't eat them in front of her. Yeah. If you love large packs of hunky-dories, only eat a pack of snacks in front of her. Because if you're bringing this food in and you're not on this journey with her or you give out that the sauce isn't as creamy as it used to be, how does anyone have a hope of, of getting it? Yeah. Speak to your friends, speak to your family and don't be ashamed to say I, I, need you, I need your help on this. Because if you get people on board with you, everything becomes a lot easier yeah. and there's more encouragement. You might go out walking as a family just to get an extra 200 calories out. So the expenditure of calories during exercise we spoke about last time is very, very minimal. The success that you're going to achieve on weight loss, weight gain, energy is going to be the input of food throughout the day, your sleep quality, your digestion, yeah. your stress. Yeah. You know, there, there's just so many implications and there's so many hurdles and so many times we can just easy fall off this wagon and give in just a bit too easy. but. Just just keep going.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're bleeding into nutritional therapy here
1: now. Just before we no, go No, no, let's stay away from it. There's a couple of things I want to say. About okay, this.
0: perfect. I'm going to let you say yours. I'm going to ask you just to go I'm just, I'm just, there's, there's things coming into my head here. There's, there are common questions you hear people uh, ask all the time about this kind of stuff. Um, one, RDAs. 2,500 calories for a man, what is it, 1,800 for a woman? 2,000 for a woman?
1: 1,500,
0: I think. That's just a random number. That's an average (laughs) of a
1: fucking whatever. What is an average male? What is an average female? 100%, yeah. Yeah. So
0: when people ask this question, they already know the answer, but it's everywhere. It's on the back of every single piece of food they pick up, recommended daily allowance. So it's very hard for someone to separate themselves, even though they've heard you say it and me say it and countless other people in the industry. But
1: remember, RDAs are going to be based for someone that just is in maintenance. RDAs aren't based for weight loss. RDAs aren't pay for weight gain. Yeah, RDAs are just general function.
0: But even maintenance, like two and a half thousand. Ca- oh yeah. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, what height do you? I'll what put weight it this way. Do you? What's what height your body weight? composition? Yeah. So I, I I laugh all the time because I I ride motorbikes right. When you get a motorbike, the suspension on a motorbike it's completely different from a car. It's because it's it's one person riding this thing. It's set up when you get it out of the shop right. And I remember going. I I was I weigh about ninety six kilos at the moment. Average walking around ninety four to ninety six mm-hmm. kilos. And I remember riding these bikes, thinking, what these things are shite, why do they feel so bad? And I looked up in every single brochure, it says the bike has been set up for the average rider, 62 kilograms. And I'm like, that makes no sense to me, because like most of me and my friends, yeah,
1: I, say, I don't know any,
0: <laughs> who's 62? Who's and then I am thinking people who race motorbikes, they're like jockeys, they're very small. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's what they're, st- but that's an average male now for motorbikes. That's yeah. a really niche story. But for me, it really implanted the same thing, averages. The average person Who the fuck is the average person like, Nobody's the average person Me and you are completely different In many many different ways And we're the same in some ways But we have massively different requirements From everything in life Because we're unique people yeah. So an RDA On every single pack of food you eat Two and a half thousand calories
1: that. So look at the RDA's on the likes of vitamins. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, 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 that's a whole different. You need you a million milligrams of vitamin C. Mm, <laughs> so what? Just to starve off <laughs> illness. Yeah, you yeah. know, order to prevent illness. So
0: all that is not something that people should be should be basing anything off. Really, no, comp-
1: keep keep yourself individualised, unique. Don't yeah. compare yourself to your friends, your sister, your mother. Like yeah, there's pre-exposed genetics to to family, but friend comparison is. a... Is a, okay. a massive fail. It would be a massive reason people fail yeah. because they get annoyed. But critically evaluate your movement, your input. What's the difference? What can be done? Yeah. Or uh, weight loss envy, or yeah, what, whatever yeah, way yeah. you want to call it. You know. Well, but you said
0: this the last time. With, with, even with the aerobic conditioning yeah. or training, like don't. If you're running with with John, hmm. John might be completely different from you in terms of his ability to train and use oxygen and to improve. You might he, you might be running at 110% of what you're able then he's running at 90% so it's the same kind of theory here, it's individual. Even
1: use again boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife if the portions are the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know like Male have higher expenditure of calories, the male could be more active, you know, it's all, it's all always thinking about accountability and even I, I have it with my kids now, I do not track anything from my kids, you know, but like sometimes the other day I did look at my daughter's two tiny little thing, you know, and she just puts food away, like she has my palate, now she eats, her favourite thing to eat is chicken breast chopped up with peppers. You Know so, Deadly. yeah, she eats and she loves crisps like me, <laughs> <laughs> and she t- loves t- t- No, she loves snacks. T- okay, <laughs> t- <laughs> t- okay, oh, yeah, all right, we're all right, we're back on track. Um, her favorite, hunky dorys. <laughs> um, so it's about, um, just I was like, I wonder what how much calories she's putting in, you know. But then I look at her and she just tears around all day, yeah, gets 12 hours sleep, although very broken. Um, but it's, I'm looking at the requirements how much food are they actually eating and then i very very quickly understand why kids gain weight when their lifestyle completely changes okay yeah yeah maybe we'll go into that in a well, second i just want to say oh yeah. yeah let's go into
0: it oh no whatever no whatever yeah i'll say let's go into it in a sec cuz i know there's a few few bits you want to say and i've one more question okay for go you. for the question then it, and it's again it's just another one of these random questions yeah. you constantly hear from people and it's it's a really contentious point uh a calorie is a calorie, right? So uh if I'm getting a thousand if my if my requirement is a thousand calories for the day and I'm eating McDonald's all day, it's still a thousand calories. And uh, or if I'm eating fruit and veg and and high quality meat all day, it's still a thousand calories. So you're t- and this is what people I'm not saying this now, um I'm leading the question here, but people will say if if I'm eating a thousand calories, you've just said a thousand calories is a thousand calories, so I'm getting it from McDonald's.
1: From a very straight up measurement perspective, It's correct. Because
0: it's a unit of energy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's in and out. Okay. However, if you ate 2,000 calories from McDonald's and I ate 2,000 calories from chicken and broccoli, I'm going to be so much betterly nourished than you are. You'll be severely malnourished very, very quickly. I did a recent interview with Carl McCallick who ate a Big Mac every day for 30 days and wanted to get a six pack. And he got a six pack because... He allowed for five hundred and eighty calories a day from a Big Mac within his calorie range, but he broke out in spots. His energy was poor. His digestion was poor. His stomach was paining him. This type of thing. Okay. And did he
0: do anything surrounding that, like supplement with high quality nutrition or anything like that? No. No. Okay. He just replaced the calories. Yeah. It was just it was
1: just a calorie challenge. Ah, So I would Yeah. It is. It's a really interesting one. So, yes and no. It's it. If you wanted to have. 200 calories a day from chocolate as part of your 1,650 calories a day requirement to drop weight, I'm okay with that. Okay, but people have to understand the better the quality of the food, the better hormonal response you're going to get. So let's say you take in what do you want to have? A white bread sandwich with loads of mayonnaise and a slice of ham compared to okay, a high quality that, yeah. brown bread sandwich, real butter, lump of chicken fillet got into it, you're going to be fuller for longer. You're going to get better nutrients from the higher quality food, your hormonal response that's going to create your society hormones or your hunger hormones, leptin, ghrelin, they're all going to be out of whack. When you start to take in poor quality food, you're going to be hungrier quicker. You're going to crave sugary, sugary, salty food quicker. So the repeat and circle, you're going to overall consume more calories because the balance on society isn't going to be there you're going to want more poor quality food quicker if you eat poor quality calories. Yeah. is that answer that? Yeah, it does answer yeah. that, yeah. you sure?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. And I'll, I'll elaborate on it a little bit as well because th- like that argument is dying out because people are starting to understand more about what you just said there. And we're actually going to talk about a lot of why that's important now with yeah. nutritional therapy and, and the actual before, food side of b- things.
1: Before we go into that, just one of the things I did want to talk about for people to understand what people it's a bit out there now at the moment, metabolic adaption. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is something that I think people struggle to understand. So let's take somebody that weighs 80 kilos. Okay. They come to me, we measure them, we get their They don't necessarily come to me, but they, they get a, a success on a weight loss journey and they <laughs> reduce weight and they eat the same. And then all of a sudden the weight loss stops. And they're like, why is the weight loss stop? I'm eating the exact same. And then they get pissed off. And then they go eating what they used to eat and they put on double the weight in half the time. Okay. And they're like, what is going on here? So think about it very, very simply. When you reduce body weight, you reduce your overall caloric expenditure. So let's use a simple number. You get rid of 2,000 calories today at 80 kilos. You get down to 75 kilos. You might be only burning 1,750 at that point. So the weight loss caloric input is no longer a caloric input because now it's maintenance. Yeah. And then when you go back to eat what you used to eat, you create a much bigger surplus quicker. So you put the weight on. Because you're physically lighter. Yeah. Yeah. So the way to look at it, and I always love to talk about it as a car, if you drive a three litre Mustang and download it, downgrade it to a two litre Ford Focus, you're going to burn less petrol. Yeah. So you're burning less energy. So you have to put less energy in in order for you to keep being successful with a, uh, if it's loss. And then there's going to be a point, obviously, where we'd, we get to, you've achieved your goal, your energy's good, then we look at maintenance calories, you know. Okay. So that's why people would retest metabolic testing. Re-rate. Yeah, because it changes. Yeah, so if you have someone that has a low metabolism and a question that people are going to ask, what's the best way to boost metabolism? Don't go out of your way to add chilies to everything you eat or cinnamon. There is a thermogenic effect on it but the single most effective way to boost metabolism is change body composition. So start weight training.
0: Yeah. And actually, a very important point for females as well, because this is an age-old idea. Oh. Again, it's it's changing a bit because people become more educated. But I don't want to, I don't want to weight train. I don't want to gain muscle because I'll be big and muscly. And I can't remember who it was, but someone said this years ago to me, and I laughed because now it's a common thing to say. And I'm sure you've heard this as well before. Is do you have any idea how hard it is to put on that level of muscle? But what you are going to do is you're going to change your body composition, develop a little bit more lean muscle, and then you're going to have a higher oxygen requirement, which means your met- your resting metabolic rate is going to go up as well. So that's going to change your number. So it's actually very, very, apart from all the other benefits of gaining lean muscle, um, which I'm sure we can talk about.
1: I haven't personal trained in in over 10 years. But when I was personal training, my biggest success stories with weight loss, female clients that never weight trained.
0: Because what did they do? They go an hour of cardio on the treadmill.
1: Or they go... And burn very, very little calories. They go home. Their metabolic rate is in a state of rest. Yeah. You go in and weight train, you're going to burn more calories I think 8, nine, ten hours later on the studies your metabolic rate is still temporarily higher. That afterburn
0: effect so yep. th- th- that, that that's is, real. It is real because yep. again it's constantly being debunked there's yep. no afterburn effect but people are talking about it in terms of HIIT classes. Yep. In, and You discussed this in
1: detail last yep. week the, the different fuels
0: you're using in a lot of HIIT classes you're anaerobic. Mm. Um,
1: now uh, The HIIT training won't create as much of an, uh, an afterburn so to speak. This is what I mean. So weight training is going to create a lot more so if you look at your break your body down into bodies, like people go in and go, okay, I'll go in and do a tricep kickback or I'll do a bicep curl. Like the muscle is so small. Yeah. Let's look at big muscles, back, chest, legs. Yeah. Squash, deadlift, bench. Yeah. yeah. And the whole persona, and I'm not, I don't mean to be saying it about females all the time, but female, it's, it's an egotistic thing. I think gyms can be intimidating. Absolutely. 100%. You get yourself a trainer in the gym. A lot of the times you are. Entitled to a free assessment, if it is a small investment where you want to go to a personal trainer and say, I want you to do a program for me and show me the program. And then you're confident in your lifting ability technique. It is going to do far more good for you than walking on a treadmill, going on an elliptical, doing a spin class, like your weight training, especially as we get as we get older, our metabolism will reduce because we will reduce muscle. Mm. Why does muscle get reduced? Because it's not getting used. OK, so even using the simple example, stand up off a chair. How many people put their hands on the side of the chair and push up or put their hands on their legs and stand up? Try not. Just stand up without it. Keep that leg muscle going. I don't know what the percentage was, but it was above 70% of people are admitted to nursing homes because they can't get off the toilet. So look at the future of your life here in terms of bone health, bone mineral. And what's going to drive that calcium into the bone? Resistance training. Like we could talk a podcast on the benefit of resistance training. So if you're listening to this now and don't do resistance training and you want to change and have a positive impact on your balance, your mood, your weight loss, your energy, your core stability, your prevention of entering a nursing home, prevention of being self-sufficient, start weight training and don't be afraid of it. Don't be intimidated by it. Like everybody had to start somewhere. I never look at anyone. I'm in a gym all day every day. I never look at someone and go, look at the state of their technique. Yeah. No one's looking at you, yeah. by the way. Yeah, you no know? one is looking at you. Yeah, <laughs> And nine times out of ten, the people that you're afraid of or are intimidating are only looking at themselves in the mirror. Yeah. You know, so weight training will create an afterburn. But as you mentioned, it will change body composition. It will raise muscle in the body, which will raise overall metabolism. You raise overall metabolism, you will reduce weight longer more successful, more sustainable. And one thing I haven't mentioned is weight loss is a long-term project. Weight loss isn't something that you do in six weeks and think you're going to sustain it. You're not. Put a long-term project on this. Give yourself a year to understand What good food is? What tastes good? What do you like? What's reasonable? What's achievable? What way are you going to train? What suits your lifestyle? Don't look at doing this as a quick fix. Quick fixes don't work. Cold turkey doesn't work. 800 calories doesn't work. Smoothie diets don't work. Why don't they work? Because they're not achievable long term. They're not sustainable. They're not. It's a
0: lifestyle decision Mm. to lose weight. And actually, while we're on the subject, there's actually real dangers associated with rapid weight loss. Oh, absolutely. The release of toxins into the system and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So... It, it is something you have to look at and say, right, this is a long term. This is a long term decision for me.
1: Yeah. Um, Don't go eating a load of pills. I tell you, they're going to boost your metabolism. Learn how to weight train. Yeah. Understand your food and you, you will be successful in your journey. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I it, it's it's straightforward enough to understand it. But the application is the difficult part. Yeah, give yourself time, and you, you will be successful in it, no matter uh, what you really want to do.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, right. I think it's I think it's time to dive a little bit deeper into the nutritional therapy side of okay. things. So before before we go hell for letter at this, can you explain nutritional therapy and why it's different from the traditional thought in someone's head about a diet or the food pyramid or this is just about what I eat? What's the nutritional therapy?
1: Say, what is nutritional therapy? <laughs> it, it's a tough question for me. It's about the many, many different contributing factors to nutrition, what it does to you from a hormonal perspective, from an energy perspective, from a sleep perspective, I use nutritional therapy to delve deep into somebody's history, into their physiological makeup. So I would run what's called a symptom burden analysis on somebody. I do a questionnaire that's 208 questions (laughs) to understand and break you into, okay, your upper GI isn't performing. There's problems with your liver and gallbladder. So nutritional therapy isn't used to diagnose or treat specific illness, but when applied correctly, it will alleviate and help improve the quality of your life Astronomically, so it's delving into you as a person a bit more rather than just giving you a food plan. Okay. So you come to me and you go, I can't lose weight. And a lot of times people come in to me from a metabolic perspective and go, I can't lose weight. And I'm like, OK, well, what's your calories like? What's your foods like? What's your digestion like? Oh, my digestion's poor. I have really irregular bell movements. Um, I prefer to not eat I feel sick when I eat I suffer massive heartburn I have chronic diarrhea haven't had my period in two years you know like you go through all this and you're like whoa 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 hang on a minute let's park your weight loss journey for now and let's look at addressing your digestion. So you, they say you are what you eat, but you're not. You are what you eat, digest, absorb, and assimilate. So if digestion isn't shout working, shout out to Robbie Bennett. Eh? It's funny when you <laughs> said that. I had heard that before, so I don't know where he got it. Robbie, you <laughs> got it from you. <laughs> or did you got it from him. <laughs> no, it's something that I've always, I've used for a long time. Yeah. So if your digestion isn't working correctly a simple way is if you're malnourished you're not absorbing vitamins and minerals how do you expect your thyroid to function how do you expect your adrenals to function you know like it's just an endless way so you come in and we look at nutritional therapy we look at what you're eating we look at how you're eating it we look at and I know Robbie would have spoke about it like are you gobbling your food what's the HCL like in your stomach is there SIBO is there pylori is the bacteria in the stomach completely overran? Do you suffer massive inflammation? Do you suffer massive migraines when you're in in your period as a female? Like, why is there reasons like we're pre exposed to a lot, but there's a lot we can do to prevent a lot of illnesses and ailments and overall improve the quality of our life by application of nutrition and lifestyle advice. Yeah, that's the way it is. And I'm not for one second debunking or shaming or saying nutritionists aren't great nutritionists are, and dietitians are absolutely quality at what they do I think the different route and why I wanted to go is I firmly believe that nutrition is the future of medicine Yeah yeah. Um, I had a GP in with me recently and when I presented what I do to him he was blown away he said he gets 10 minutes with Joe who has heartburn and writes him an antacid Yeah and he says Joe has been to me three times I need to show Joe I'm giving him something so I'm giving him a tablet. Realistically, the problem is his stomach acid is too low, not that it's too high. So we need to look at what he's eating, what's the triggers, what's the causes, how are we going to improve it and change it that way. I'm working with the GP, I went in and presented to them and they're blown away. They're like, can you come into the clinic twice a week for two days? Yeah. You know, like a client for me would take two hours to prep, two hours to present to them. Like you're looking at initial consultation being about five hours. Compared to 10 minutes. Compared to 10 minutes. So we're looking at all the contributing factors. We're treating the cause, not the symptom. Yeah.
0: Guys, just dropping in here to remind you that today we have Sean Kanan from Health Matters on for our second episode. And today we're chatting about metabolic testing, nutritional therapy, and much more. To get in touch with us here at Primal, you can shoot an email to podcast at primal.ie or drop me a DM on Instagram at primalpro, P-R-Y-M-A-L-P-R-O. And to learn more about anything we discuss on this episode, you can see the show notes on the website at www.primal.ie forward slash Sean Canan. I, I, I think I mentioned this before, but this is really exciting to me to hear more people talking about this because this is the world that I existed in for the last five years, kind of, and how I kind of was introduced to a lot of people like yourself. Because I worked in a practice and it was originally a GP practice and developed into what we term as a functional medicine practice. And what you're talking about there, I would class in the realm of functional medicine. And I used to say the exact same thing as you did. Like, there's no treatments here for a specific ailment. However, most of these ailments, and I'll call them chronic metabolic conditions nowadays. And in that, I'll include things like brain degenerations and cancers and diabetes and liver issues and gut issues and all, all these things. Skin, hair, all of these end results of metabolic dysfunction is how I used to Mm. to term it all stemmed from foundational problems with people's general health and conditions. That's the spiel I used to give to people when they're asking me what the fuck's going on here. Yeah, we're, talking about about sleep, we're talking about sleep, talking about bowel movements and yeah. it's like We're talking about all, all the stuff that makes you up as a person. If there's dysfunction there, that's going to end up in one of these different boxes. And where the healthcare system looks at you. Now, let me qualify this by saying I think doctors are absolutely unbelievable. Nurses, anybody in the health system is there to help people. And they do an amazing job with what they have. However, that system doesn't suit a lot of people because if you go in and you probably have too much uh, or not enough or too much stomach acid, they're going to give you a pill for that because they only have 10 minutes because the system they works in demand that they see you and move on to the next person. The system demands they prescribe you with something because that's the model. And in a huge majority of cases, it doesn't work, which is why you see people coming in. And I saw people coming in and people like Owen Robbie see people coming. in. All these different people are starting to see people now. And they're buying into this whole, OK, let's let's go a little bit deeper and look at my stress and look at my sleep and look at my food and look at my gut and all this. And maybe let's postpone having to get something from the doctor because.
1: Like they all have a knock on effect. My So I only graduated in May in the middle of COVID. Yeah. So I didn't start to practice till July. The first client I worked with was a young female, 22 years of age, and her dad reached out to me. Um, she got to a stage where she was so skinny. She was getting bullied, anorex, she wasn't suffering anorexia, was depressed, anxiety. And she, she tried to commit suicide oh my and her dad came to me unknown what I was doing. He was like, look, can you help? And I went in. He's like, can you just provide a meal plan? And I was like, I went up and spoke to her and I was like, no, we don't. We don't need a meal plan. We need to look at what's going on here. So straight away, she said to me, she's anemic. And I went, lightbulb bulb moment. I was like, OK, so you're unresponsive to iron, which means there's massive digestive issues. OK, fine, let's look at this. I don't like to eat because I suffer heartburn and bloating. I've chronic diarrhea, so I don't eat. So, number one, you're not absorbing and digesting the food. Number two, you don't want to eat. Your overall issue here is you can't gain weight. So, so what's going on? So let's look at this. She was in the beauty industry as well, beautician. Poor eyes, skin, nails, hair. She was on the floor, like, and it's a recent post on Instagram, I've saved her life. And this is her words, you know, I mean, she I was talking to her yesterday. She hadn't had a period in in two years. Her periods are regular, no digestive issues. Her hair, her skin, her nails, her energy, her sleep. She's absolutely in love with food again. So meat is the first thing she said. I couldn't eat meat, couldn't eat breakfast, everything like that. But the big thing is she's gained a stone and a half since July. Wow. The doctor thinks she has weights in her pocket. (sighs) The doctor's blown away, but she was on all this antacid medication. What's the side effects of antacid medication? Diarrhea. Diarrhea. Yeah. You know, so like it's a complete and he and not taking anything away from him again, but he's a very, very short period of time with her where we spent all this time with her. And she is a different person. Her mom and dad have reached out to me saying like they've never seen her like this energy. She wouldn't get out of bed at two in the day. She's up at nine o'clock making food, prepping breakfast, you know, and it was all just a bit of understanding and education around what's going on. And up until so we I do a six week follow up with them. She hadn't got her period. Now she's like three periods in a row. She's like, I never thought I'd be thanking you for getting my period. Yeah, and She texted yeah, yeah. me yesterday or two days ago saying I'm in bits. And I was like, well, look, we need to look at that now as a different issue yeah. as to why you're suffering such bad PMS. But you now have your cycle regular. Your weight is gaining. Your skin is good. Your nails are good. Your hair is good. Your digestion's good. No diarrhea, no heartburn, no bloating. I'm like, you are a completely, she said again, she reiterated the fact, she's like, you've saved my life. You know, and all That's that amazing. was in In five months Four months Four months Now look Don't get me wrong It's not going to be That successful with everybody However Some simple little things Like I'm like Okay oh back up there You're unresponsive to iron Straight away There's an issue there Yeah Okay so what's happening So he's Giving her these iron tablets And it's not working Can't understand why It's not working Yeah You know like Why is it not working So you're not breaking it down You're flushing it straight out Or again People learn to accept Their symptoms I have a girl In with me recently It's Grant This is what it is now This is the new norm And this is no lie Four years, chronic diarrhea. Four years. Every night she wakes up for 20 minutes oh and sits on the pot. It is a poor woman. You know, and again, this was another heartburn issue. I got a list of medication, or medication. She was on three, oh, three separate antacids. And I was like, what's going on here? Oh, I, don't, I don't know what them tablets do. So again, it's not accountability. It's not unwilling to address the issues that's causing the problems. Yeah. So there's massive underlying causes. We, I think, as a, a world, dress the symptom too quick. We don't dress the cause.
0: Yeah, and it is a cultural thing. And again, I'm just going to keep re-saying this. I want to be very careful not to shit on anybody here. No, and doctors well, and stuff we're like not. That. And it's great to hear you mentioned that that young doctor it was really, really excited to work with you yeah. because that's what it's all about. It is this, again, this word is, is misused, but it is a holistic approach. You need everybody on board to get the best for the client. Sean, plus the doctor, plus the new nutritionist, uh, plus the strength and, and don't calls,
1: get me wrong, like is as soon as I find that if something like I would say, like this is medical, you need to go to your doctor. 100%. I not for one second I'm saying that I'm going to solve no, 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 major no, 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 no. disease or illness. But when working together with a group of professionals with one goal in mind, you'll get success. Yeah, We can help that journey significantly quicker by applying good Education around nutrition and lifestyle habits, addressing and looking into what's causing the issue rather than just addressing the symptom and providing the body with the vitamins and minerals it needs to operate at optimal health, basically, you know, like to suffer chronic fatigue or to suffer chronic digestion, bloating. They just associate, that's oh, grand, I just blow every time I eat. Yeah, that's not normal. It's not normal. Or uh, I don't have a bowel movement. I have a bowel movement twice a week. That's not normal. Yeah. Another one was I haven't had my period in two years. In her, so on the forms that I would create for someone, I asked them to list their five major health concerns. It wasn't listed on her five yeah. major health concerns. So we get all these forms back. I do a, a consultation. About 40 minutes into the consultation, I get on to kind of endocrine hormonal response. And we I find out that she hasn't had a period in two years. I'm like, whoa, we are going to change our whole journey now. Yeah, we need to get you. There's something major going on here. But that was just normal for her, you know, but that's not normal. We have to be realistic with our, our signs and our symptoms. And the overall goal is optimal health, long term energy, be able to play with your grandkids. Be able to fight illnesses, ailments. Be able to fight immunity or have good mu- immunity. You know, yeah. look at the big picture on overall health, and how, where are you on that platform, and how are you going to get there? Yeah. So working with the likes of, as you mentioned, loads of like SNCs, getting your doctor on board, getting with a nutritionist, dietitian, a nutritional therapist getting to understand that the benefits and like sometimes you might click with somebody and that's fine. You know what I mean? Like some clients, I'll know straight away with someone if we're going to click or not and I, I can refer them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of referral and not for one second would I pretend to know pretend to know everything in, about everything because I can't. Doctors know lots about little and that's what this young GP said to me. Like they get no nutritional training. Yeah. Like zero. Isn't that nuts? And then they have so many people that come in with the likes of heartburn or chronic fatigue or digestive issues and they have to be seen to be doing something where they're going to address them with, with an, um, a, medication. a medication. But this again, I had a, a pharmacist on my course as well and she was like, people are coming into the shop every day asking me for this and that and I, I wanted a bit more of an education. All she wanted, she didn't want to practice an NT, she just wanted an education to be able to deliver solid advice based around lifestyle and nutrition. That's brilliant. I think it's amazing. It is and I, I'm very... Hopeful for the future. But the more I get into this and practice, I said, I'm only practicing since July. Um, I'm up around 20 clients only, you know. Yeah. But I, I get such a buzz off it. yeah. You know, like I'm now on my stage of um, follow-ups. So I have two follow-ups uh-huh. later today. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm buzzing for the follow-up, yeah. you know, to see where your issues are, how you've got on, where what do we need to change, what your appetite's like. X, Y and Z. So each one of them and people always say in college, they said, you'll always get, you'll find you're dealing with a lot of the same client. So like at the moment I'm dealing with three, four different clients that all have the same digestive issues. But the digestion is the is the core. You know, like if you look at your gut and your health, like you're more bacteria than you are human. The bacteria is in the gut. If you don't have that digestive system right, you're going to find everything goal orientated wise very difficult to achieve. Yeah. You know, and understanding the habits that are needed to create harmony with digestion. Yeah. I know the lad spoke about it with your eating speed and being aware. Mindful eating and stuff like that. It's something that I'm trying to implement with my kids. I'm like, look, now you're not on the TV. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let's understand that we're eating. Just even that alone, being in the moment of eating, get away from technology and physically Like, so why does your mouth water? Because it's the salivary amylase getting ready for digestion. You know, something as simple as that. So understanding and educating the chemical and mechanical digestion, chewing your food a bit better, slowing down the speed that we eat, staying away from water when we're eating, because if you've low HCL, is it getting diluted more? You know, so simple little things. Or someone said to me the other day, oh, I get massive heartburn when I eat raspberries and drink lemon water. Any suggestions what to do? And I was like, yeah stop eating raspberries and drinking lemon water <laughs> for now and let's see if that is the issue. If it's the trigger, Let's yeah. see if that's causing the problem. If not, let's isolate it. Okay, what is causing your issue? Are you, have a sudden, as you've progressed and got older, have you built an intolerance to milk because the enzyme to break down lactase isn't there anymore? You know, like, so what's the issues? Always question and probe and probe and probe and you see people when I ask more questions, like, why are you asking that? I'm like cuz I bet you I know the answer. I'm like, yeah, how did you know that? You know, because it's understanding the physiological makeup of a human to help them alleviate their ailments and ailments. Yeah, you know, yeah, is, yeah, you know.
0: Let let me let me see if I can tie this into a little bundle to help it resonate with some people. You just described many, many different things there from mindful eating to understanding the type of food and the amount of food you need and um, slowing down to give your salivary amylase time to do its actual job and understanding the foods that might be good for you and bad for you and your good health and all that kind of thing. They're all part of the same system. They're not individual things because people categorize those as individual things. And what I mean by that is if you go to the doctor with a skin issue. And this is not a a jab at anybody with a skin issue. You're going to be treated for the skin issue because you're viewing the skin issue as a skin issue, not as a sign that there is something in your system wrong. You're viewing it as a skin issue. Now, in some cases, they look a little bit deeper. But in the majority of cases, if you go with a skin issue, you're going to be treated with some form of topical skin treatment or something like that. Whereas in most cases, I'd be fairly confident now having seen this for years and years and years and years. In most cases, that skin issue is a manifestation of something that's going on on a deeper level. And when you dig with these people, if you came in with a skin issue and we looked a little bit deeper and we said, right, put your skin issue over there for a sec, we're going to forget about that. Let's just do a general health check. You're probably going to find the cause for the skin issue in that general health check. Well, it could be anything, but it's probably in the general health check. Not treat with the skin issue. So let's not treat the skin issue. Let's look at your general health. Let's improve that with all of these things we talked about. Let's implement a better lifestyle for you. And oh well, wow, your skin issue went away. Your period's back. Yeah. You're not having digestive issues anymore. We didn't even treat your skin issue. It's gone. Yeah, yeah, gone. But now you're generally a healthier person, and all these other things you thought were normal. You're sleeping a bit better. You don't have mood fluctuations throughout the day. You're, you're not waking at you're night. You're not awake at night. All this stuff. We we haven't talked about any of that, but it's all gotten better. It's amazing, isn't it? Because it's a connected system. That's why I love
1: to follow. Ups, you know, yeah, you're, like, you're gonna get
0: a real buzz off. Yeah, that stuff.
1: so like, okay, so you listed digestion, or you li- listed bloating as an issue. Can you tell me anything else has happened? Yeah, I have more energy. It's in my skin, yeah. Like you're one that i was speaking about. Like she's saying, as a beauty therapist, like she can't get over the strength of her nails, the improvement in her skin, her hair. They weren't listed as anything. Yeah, they were never of concern. Yeah, you yeah. know, it is that overall knock-on effect. You know, to see w- what you can do, and like the power of quality nutrition is phenomenal. And it's amazing. I, I, The more I see it, the more I just can't understand why, for example, it's not taught in school.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah.
1: You know, like not taking anything away from what happened in 1100 BC, but I don't need to know about that, but I don't know how to make chicken or I don't understand what a... Nightshade vegetable is, or yeah. I don't understand what a salad is, you know what I mean? Or what a vitamin is, what's a fat soluble vitamin? Like, this is the things that we should be talking about in school and educating our kids to understand it. Like, I'm trying to do it a lot with my own kids, but keep it very, very simple. Yeah. You know, like a four year old and a two year old. Yeah. But yeah. to see them, to see me eating the good quality food, and I don't force them to eat their vegetables, I let them play with it. Yeah. You know, from a very young age, chop up apple, banana, peppers and let them just play with their food. If they want to taste it, eat it. Help me prep the food. Chop up beetroot. Yeah. Get They're inquisitive. Involved in the process. Yeah. yeah, get inquisitive and don't force it on them. They will find what they do like. And then like my son, who I don't think at the start, he was great, like bananas, everything. But he kind of step away from some of the food that I'd eat. But the other day, he's like, oh, daddy, can I try that? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Peppers like a sister eats peppers till the cows come home yeah. you know or can I try that and that's all you're waiting for is the consistent encouragement not forcing them to do it but, and then trying to give a small bit of education so he's obsessed with superheroes at the moment I'm like alright we need to make sure we have our protein and we need to make sure we have our vegetables why daddy I'm like because you need to get muscles like Hulk this is what <laughs> you need to eat yeah, yeah. so you can play with it in that sense yeah. you know where to you're just trying to give them comparisons and but give that bit of education as well oh this is for energy like they have chia seeds in their porridge you know what I mean? Why are we getting that in? Oh, we're getting a bit of good fats in. What's that going to help with anti-inflammatory? They get vitamin D every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Coronavirus. This is going to help stay, keep the virus away, son. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. oh, can I, have my, can I have my D, daddy? Can I have my vitamin D? Yeah, yeah sure. yeah. You know, so starting the kids really, really young, that was a bit <laughs> off topic. But No, it didn't,
0: because as part of the conversation, mm. I'm going to ask you the question anyway, because I noticed on your website you're involved with schools programs, yes. which is fantastic. And I'm going to ask you to speak about it now in a second. But uh, at the risk of going a little bit left to centre into the conspiracy theory side of things, the reason I feel that this stuff isn't prioritised is because we're we're essentially industrialized and we're being trained to be good little factory workers. So it's 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 in nobody's it's in our benefit to educate ourselves about our nutrition and what we want and like you, I said in the last podcast your your slogan is something that I've said for years and didn't realize it was your slogan as well is take control of your own health. Mm. We're not encouraged to take control of our own health we're, we're educated on the things that are going to help us contribute to the society we've built. So we're going to be trained to be good workers in the workforce that's what we're being trained to do. Now agree or disagree with me that's my opinion on, on the whole thing but as a side effect, that's why we're not educated in schools on things like the importance of understanding your own nutrition, how to prepare food, how to do the things that make you happy, how to manage your own mental health, your physical health, how to train, how to do all these things that are just the core elements of being a human being. If you want to be a good accountant, you are not going to be a good accountant unless you're healthy, unless you're in control, unless you're happy. If you want to be a good Astronaut, You're not going to be a good astronaut unless you're healthy and happy and in control. Now, you can learn all the skills and you can become very proficient, but you're not going to have fulfillment and therefore you're not going to be the best you could be at that job. So I'm not trying to say don't don't be industrialised and don't go work in an office and uh, break free of the revolution and all that. I'm not saying that. If you want, great. I want to do that. But that's why I feel it's not a priority to educate because if we wanted to do it, we would do it. Let's, let's face it, bottom line, we'd, sca- we'd scrap history. Yeah. And we put in, how do you cook a healthy meal for yourself? And what is a healthy meal? This word healthy. no, no, don't read it on the TV. What is healthy? It's balanced. It's good health. It's brain health. And
1: it's not sponsored by... And it's not sponsored by Kellogg's. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean?
0: Um, But that's why I feel it's not there. And at the risk of sounding real negative, let me put the positive spin. That's why I love talking to people like you. And I've made it very clear. My goal here for me and my family and my daughter, who's two and a half, I want to understand how to give her that knowledge and then she can go out into the world and do whatever the hell she wants. Mm. She can be an astronaut or or, or she can be a rebel or she can be an accountant, whatever she wants because she'll understand how to eat well, how to live well, how to move well, how to interact well with other people and how to arm herself with those tools. That's my job, I feel, now. And how do I do that? I bring Sean Canaan on the podcast (laughs) and I learn and that's what I'm trying to do and I'm trying to take control of my own health and health for me means all those different things. That was a rant. They go. <laughs> now, to bring saying, it, do you know where you're going? I do know where I'm going. I'm going to bring it back full circle. So I read on your website that you actually work with schools. And I'm fairly confident that what I just said is part of the reason why you wanted to do this. You have children yourself. Mm. But you've obviously. I started it well before I had kids, to be honest. But yeah. you obviously I can tell from you. You're very interested in like you educated yourself. Yeah. You got involved in this world. And now you want to make sure that other people have this like you said I know you're only you're only practicing a few months but realistically four years of study you've been doing this for for years and years and years Mm. and years years with with everything else you've done and now you're arming yourself with more tools to do the same thing help and educate people about themselves and their health so you've been doing this for more than a few months you've been involved in this for years what
1: What inspired you to get involved with schools what inspired me to get involved with schools Um, probably the scary observation of the difference in the size of kids when I came back from traveling. Well, okay. Yeah. And I was only away for a few years, you know? Yeah. Um, what I tried to do, it's a primary school educational slash activity program where we go into primary schools. And the issue is, is that you just met with resistance straight away. Um, you'd be lucky to get past the secretary to go in and and present this case. Um, it's not, I don't know. I really don't know. It's not that expensive. Yeah. I charge four to five euro a student depending on size of the school. Yeah. What we try and do. So I will go in and visit every single classroom and we go in from junior infants to sixth class. Um, obviously, the education is different course, with the yeah. junior infants. It's a bit of crack. Uh, I have some. I love the day so go in and educate yeah. the kids. It's just so funny. Like, But we go in and we'll educate the classes on what a fruit is, what a vegetable is, what a protein is, what food does. Talk about water, talk about sleep, you know, just give an education as we get older through it, into the older classes, give a bit more detail as to why, what a calorie is, even a macronutrient. Yeah, just give them that education. Now, what I do as well is every single student in the school would get a form at the start of the week where they have to aim to have five fruit and veg a day, 10 hours sleep, one to two litres of water a day, um, an hour activity and to try something that they've never tried before in terms of fruit or oh, I like that, yeah, that's cool. And it's a sheet that gets sent home and there's a tick box on it Monday to Sunday. It's for a week. Parents have to sign it. Then it starts to go, oh, can you give one for my sister? My brother's not in school. My mom and dad are going to do it. So all of a sudden, there's a complete different swing of mindset for the, the first week we're in the school because people are eating better, sleeping better, drinking more water, yeah, yeah, trying yeah. different stuff. Then what we do the second week, we take every class for two different. Now, this is what standard we can deviate away from a two 30 or 40 minute slots Mm -hmm. where we would get them all exercising, but playing no games that they can they can do with little to no equipment and they can even do on their own. So it's terrible to see, but young girls are the biggest percentage that will drop out of sport. Because of how self-conscious they become, yeah. And this, I work in a school quite close to where my parents live, and every year I went into the school, I could see the certain girls getting bigger. And every year I'd go in and do the education, they wouldn't turn up for the following week. They'd be sick, you know. Speaking to the teachers, they never go swimming because they don't want to get changed in front of their peers, yeah. you know. And it's sad because if we don't get control of obesity and overweight in kids it's going to go into it it, without a shadow of a doubt, they're going to become an overweight adult. And again, we're not fat shaming here in any way, shape or form. But if your child is overweight, it is going to cause health implications in their life as they get older. You as the parent have to take control for that. And if it means little Johnny gets upset because you're not giving him ice cream every day, it's going to be better for them long term. Mm. You have to take control of your kids, like even from a mental health perspective, because they're going to get bullied. You yeah. have to make changes. Get them walking to school. Walk with them. Buy them a scooter. Don't buy them a ride on scooter. Buy them a bike that they need to cycle. Park further away. Walk on Wednesdays. Great initiative the school have done. You know, but the games that we do is they they can set. we're not just doing basic simple games we're doing fun games where everybody can take part in you don't need to be massively skillful to do it yeah there'll be a bit of hand-eye coordination yeah there's movement but it's done at a level you could go home and play with your sister your mom your dad your brother your friend or you could implement a lot of what we're doing on your own so within two weeks then we have an education the girls school that I work in I bring in a Zumba teacher. She takes the classes for Zumba. We do a full class, a school Zumba at the end of the week. 520 girls doing Zumba in the field with the teachers. It's a buzz. You know what I mean? So we're trying to find something that they like to do. Yeah. Um, I've done a a couple of the schools I've worked with long term now and everyone knows me as healthy Sean. You know, (laughs) like if I make the mistake of leaving uh and go, going to the shops around the time that the schools are out, I'll just be screamed at, healthy Sean. And the time where I buy someone a pizza that's not for me, they're like, look what he's eating. <laughs> that's not but for me, guys. Now, right. now my son has started in the school because they do a junior and senior infant in that school. You know, so I lo- I really would love to be able to, hopefully with this year, what's happening with COVID is built up in the air. But this school, we normally do it in May, so we get get the good weather. Yeah. I always get sunburned in the school. The <laughs> teachers all say to me when I'm in, they know it's sunny. Um to give the education to them, you know what I mean? But then he could say to his friends, you know, oh, you should eat this because he'll know it a lot more, Yeah. you know, so I'd be proud to present in front of him to be in his school, Yeah. you know, yeah. to go in and give the education and the teachers understand it and the teachers buy into it. It's not just the students. A lot of times the students aren't in the teacher's class or the kids aren't in the class. Can I take them for my daughter? Oh, I'm going to do this at home. And all of a sudden there's a buzz. Parents stop me in the street thanks for doing that. You know what I mean? It's, it's great. That for me alone is, is so rewarding. Yeah. Like my job's done at that point. Yeah. So you've changed maybe one person's life. But it's again, it's something I speak about with the corporate world. If you can make someone healthier, you make them happier. You make them more productive. There's going to be less sickness. There's less of a chance of developing serious illnesses or ailments. Look, the most healthiest person in the world, unfortunately, can get cancer. But there's a lot we can do to give us a foundation to prevent terrible illness. Yeah. And they're our choice, even if we're pre-exposed to it. Just because you're pre-exposed to diabetes doesn't mean you're going to get it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. you change your lifestyle. You can prevent you can it from minimize happening. Risk. You can your risk. You absolutely. can manage yourself, yeah. But the accountability of the parents, and I hope it resonates with somebody, you have to take control. You know if your child's overweight. I know for a fact if my kids are overweight, I'm going to pull a certain plug on, on a snack. or a food or it annoys me and I'm never going to win it and I know I'm never going to win it but why am I looked on as being the evil side of a parent when I want my kids to eat well why am I told that I can't tell my kids they're not having snacks. Am I a bad person or a bad parent? Like, I just don't get it and I struggle to get it. And I have a it, it gets me angry <laughs> when I like, I'm like, I'm trying to give my kids more fruit and vegetables and a better quality of nutrients for their benefit. I'm not giving them as much chocolate or crisps as they want. Yeah, this is, a,
0: I feel. A really now, hang on, before
1: you go on, one thing yeah. I will say, though, is I don't prevent I don't not give my kids snacks. Oh, of course com- I do. Yeah, it's a balance. Yeah, it, it is. is a balance. It yeah. is and that balance. word is, is really difficult to, yeah. to,
0: to actually fully use, balance. Yeah. But it is a balance, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, my, my theory, and it's I'm sure this will be reflected by you and it resonate with people. I think a huge part of the problem we have nowadays, and you've touched on loads of different elements of the same problem. Raising your kids and having other people think that you're, you're evil for denying your children something they want. Fat shaming. Young girls not wanting to get involved in exercise, all that kind of stuff it all circles around this same thing that we seem to be—we seem to be taking the wrong direction with this, and it's this absolute fear of being called um, a bigot or being being told that you're fat shaming somebody or that you're offending somebody else. So we're terrified. So, I'm, I'm, this—I'm going to say this really, really black and white, right? We know Good. for a fact. I know you're black and white. <laughs> if you smoke you are going to be less healthy and you're going to have health complications. I'm not saying if you smoke, you'll get cancer. I'm saying you're going to be less healthy and lots of things are going to be affected. Everybody accepts that. Everybody accepts that. If you drink or take drugs or eat certain types of food or make bad lifestyle choices, you are less healthy. And as we've described, it is a system that's going to affect you in many, many different ways, right? So it doesn't mean if you eat bad food, you're going to get fat. It's going to affect loads of aspects of your life. But if somebody is overweight and carries weight, categorically, Fact, black and white right here, and you'll you'll validate this, you are less healthy. There's a relationship with decreases in testosterone, increases in in heart disease, all sorts of different diabetes, diabetes, mental health. health. (laughs) And we are now in a culture where you're not allowed fat shame, but it's not about fat shaming. If you are overweight or if you currently smoke or if you currently drink... I am not and you're not trying to make that person feel bad about that. That is where you are at this particular moment in time. You are carrying more weight than what we categorically factually know is healthy. You're not as healthy as you could be. So if you lose weight, you could be healthier. That's nothing to be ashamed of. You are where you are right now for yeah. for whatever reasons. If you lose weight, you'll be more healthy. However, if you say that to somebody, you're making a judgment on their body type or you can't say that to, to, to a girl who's overweight or, or even now a guy who's overweight because you're fat shaming them that means that they are less likely to lose the weight and they're less likely to be healthy. And your motivation is to try and help that person be okay. healthy. So we've blurred the lines now between you trying to help that person and you being evil. Now it's bleeding into kids. Oh, you can't you can't say the word bold to your kids. I, saw, I heard that 10 years ago. My mom told me that. You can't say the word bold because it'll affect their mental development. And my thought was, this child needs to understand their boundaries. How are we supposed to help them understand their boundaries? Forget all this psychological development stuff. If they don't understand their boundaries, they're going to end up really confused and lost as older people. Where are we now? We have a whole generation of children who are confused and lost yeah. and have m- mental health issues the weight thing is the exact same you can't oh, you can't deny your child the thing they want you have a responsibility as a parent to make sure that child is healthy as possible you know if they carry less weight they're going to be healthier therefore you want to do everything you can to make them carry less weight and sometimes that means making them cry because they can't have ice cream every single day
1: but leading by example I think is and the leading, number yeah. is the number one thing you need to do you can't be telling little Johnny you can't have ice cream and, your stuff and in you're stuffing your face with it. 100% yeah. you need to be shown or be seen to be bringing more vegetables in better quality food trying new recipes if you don't like them don't eat them exactly and it's practice um, what you preach it is also consistency in effort to get them to eat something yeah not just taste it once I'm not going have it there and if we look at it like people often say that good food is is too expensive it's not like you could get like a roast chicken as an example feed a family couple of potatoes, a bit of broccoli, bit of carrots. Yeah, it doesn't too. have to be an organic No. And I think this meal, is where people got lose the plot as well is that they want to have these absolutely fancy, luxurious meals. The way successful good nutrition is is when you keep it simple. Keep it simple, yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah. Get back to the basics. Add in vegetables, mix them up, change it, let them try it, let them play with it, let them feel it, help them cut it with you. You know what I mean? Help, let them get absolutely, into the preparation yeah. with you. But you, you like, it's scary and it's sad that the levels of obesity in this country is just going higher and higher and higher and higher. And it's fact, a child that's obese is a 96 percent, I think it's 96 percent higher chance of being overweight as an adult. And that is, as we spoke about, going to cause endless implications long term.
0: And what do we do? We look at trying to use CBT and and psychology for these children now. And yeah, it has its place in certain conditions. But 90% of these children, they just need a better education about food movement. I I read some really interesting studies three or four years ago about sitting. And there's a direct link between when children start going to school and an increase in all of the negative markers for obesity, ADHD, attention, test scores, cognitive
1: Even look at P.E., yeah, like PE, you get it once a week Once a week uh, What?
0: And now as you said A lot of girls aren't even doing it yeah. Even when I was in school A yeah. lot of girls started to drop out When they got to a stage Where their bodies were developing And became very self-conscious about PE yeah. Because they went I, I always look at it this way They're on Instagram And they see My body needs to look like this I need to be this shape And it's usually someone Who's in
1: outrageous conditions. It's scary It's scary the future What social media is doing In that sense But like I'd love to stick A pedometer on my kids just for the crack and I've said, I'm going to do it. They just wouldn't let it stay on them, yeah, you know, yeah, But yeah. to see the steps that they take, yeah. you know, and then it's something that would be interesting as a study, as you mentioned, as you progress through, you sit down more. You're sitting eight hours a day then. And you, you're eating probably the same, yeah, if not more. And then the bad choice is like it's, it's coming straight back to eat less, move more in a long, long roundabout way. Yeah. But yeah, no, and unfortunately, it's something that isn't a very big part of my business because of the resistance that is met when I try to implement it. Really? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Very, very small.
0: Well, let me me give my opinion and then you can see if it's wrong or right. I I think people, number one, they're afraid of offending anybody. They're afraid of being called fat shaman or evil parents or whatever. But number two, they see there's an internal resistance because people, when you make that comment about their child, usually... It's a reflection on them as well. And they're very, very uncomfortable, as we all are, in analyzing their own habits and education and knowledge. They know you're going to point out something that's not being done right. And it's almost they feel it as an accusation where this is not an accusation at all. Like you, you speaking about this, you say sometimes you get a bad rap as being the bad guy or the hard black and white guy. But that says more about the person who's receiving the information than it does about the person giving the information. Yeah, maybe it can be delivered with a little bit of bedside manner, which I'm sure you do. I'm sure you don't just go, you're fat, Uh, lose the weight. There's there's a process, there's a bedside manner. But that information is just information. Anybody who interprets that as a personal attack on them needs to kind of step away from that for a second. It's not a personal attack. If someone says you're overweight and if you lose weight, you're going to be more healthy. You haven't said... You're a slob. Mm-hmm. You've said you are. Oh, these are the facts. Now, let's see how we can get you there in a in as, as enjoyable and pleasant a manner as we possibly can. Let's see. Can we get you to somewhere? Because I guarantee you, and this is someone's people are going to have a problem with me saying this. I guarantee you, nobody who is overweight doesn't wish they weren't overweight. Yeah. They can accept themselves. And I accept them. And, and I would never, ever shame somebody for their body type ever. I accept that that's their body type and they should accept that body type. And there are underlying conditions, and that's what we're, oh, we have underlying conditions. Perfect. Yeah. Let's figure out what they are. Yeah. And then let's help you with them. Let's try and alleviate them. No, no, you can't. You're shaming me now. You're saying it, no. Absolutely not. Be proud of, of who you are and, and everything. But there's things we can work on, and yeah. let's acknowledge that and step away from the emotion. It's I've not being
1: not being afraid to reach out either.
0: No, don't be afraid. It, but it's a, it's a, an shame. It's shame. I'm ashamed. I'm mm. embarrassed. And the point I was making about the social media, you're told this is what you have to look like, but you're embarrassed to get changed in front of your peers for PE because you don't look like that. Yeah. But you're never gonna get there unless you engage in the activity. Um, and look, I know it's really hard to be a teenager, boy, or oh, girl. Absolutely. it's really hard as a thirty-two year old man to go to the beach and take your top off and and you know, people are people are looking at me, they're judging me, all that kind of stuff. It's a very hard thing to do. However, it doesn't change the fact that if if you want to get to a certain goal, be it weight loss, weight gain, maintenance, healthy, whatever, you have to engage in something. And for for if, if we've created an environment where young girls are afraid to get changed and do PE, we should do something different for them. And you did. You gave them the Zumba class. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah but it, it goes further than that as well. So like stepping slightly away from kids, like if we look at certain jobs where you should be leaner or lighter or yeah. more mo- mobile, flexible. Like I've done work with, The guards, the army, the fire brigade. You're a pro, man. What a segue. That was my next question. And this is no word of a lie. I worked with a fireman a few years ago. who was 128 kilos. Like, he is not going to be able to climb a ladder, get through a window, and rescue someone in a burning building. That's fact. Yeah. That's not shaming
0: anyone. You know Wasn't Ronnie Coleman,
1: no. No. (laughs) But, like, that's not right. Yeah. But he had to do... One fitness test 30 years ago, and that was it. And we get met with, oh, you're you're going to make him lose his job. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to make him lose his job at all, but I'm going to make him healthier, more productive. He's going to be able to do his job better. Yeah. And it wasn't just one. Now, he was the biggest one. There was lots of them over 100 kilos, like lots of them. Yeah. And they didn't see it as an issue. You know, as working as in the fire brigade. Yeah. Working in the guards. Again, I've worked with a lot of them in that sense where we'd be like, okay, you how are you going to chase someone? Like I could walk away from you. Yeah. You know, and again, it probably comes back to you as we're, we're fat shaming. We're not. We're applying theory. You're there to do a physical job that demands movement, mobility, strength, speed, but it's not applied to it. And it's a lifestyle that's probably associated with it, where if they're going to be working in a smaller town, they might be at home a lot more. So they're just on call where they have access to food. There's not a lot of exercise, there's no physical training, you know, or you have the other side of things where you have two people that are going for the same job. Sorry, two people that are in the same job. One is grossly overweight, the other not. But the other person has failed their fitness test because they're a newer recruit. But the older recruit that does the exact same job isn't, doesn't have to do anything about it. Yeah, like it's scary. It's in all industries. When we do corporate work, not for one second are we there to call up people, share data with bosses. Your boss doesn't get an insight like the data we get with metabolic and VO2 testing on a corporate level is done on a one to one basis. However, the objective behind corporate wellness is to create a better, healthier, happier, more productive workforce. And that is achieved through education and or bringing the likes of Health Matters on site to give and arm the people with that. And it comes down, it keeps coming back to health. Like, if you can make, if you're 20 stone and you get to 15 stone, I can guarantee you, you're going to have less ailments and illnesses. Fact. You know what I mean? Fact. And then you're going to be happier in yourself, more productive, happier at home. Mental mental issues could alleviate you, could be stronger, happier, healthier. And it's just a complete circle. So there's that. There is times when I go into companies where they go, I'm not doing that test because you're going to share that with my boss. I'm like, no, you're the one that needs this more than anybody. Yeah. You know, um, why? I don't know. I really, really don't know. And it's sad and it's scary. And as you, I know it keeps, it keeps coming to my head and I don't even want to say the word fat shaming. It's not fat shaming. It's, not, yeah. it's realistic education around the negatives associated with being overweight.
0: Yeah. You know. But well, if you go for a job as, I won't use accountants again, let's go, you go for a job as anything that requires... Let's say you go for a job as a CEO of a tech company, right? Yeah. You, there's a requirement for the job and you have to present your CV and you have technical requirements, you have managerial requirements, you have all, all these sorts of requirements to do that job. And if you don't have those in place, you won't get the job. Physical jobs like um, frontline workers, firefighters, guards and um, people in the army who have my absolute Undying sympathy, by the way, because they get such a hard time. They get very little support, yep. and it's a very difficult system to work in. I know a lot of these people, and I have such respect for them. They get a really, really hard time for those jobs. If we were to sit down and write it out, there would be a physical CV. Okay, this is what your day looks like. You're you're mobile and active for 12 hours in a day. You might have physical confrontation. You might have to carry a human being out of a building to climb ladders. You have to swim. You have to whatever it might be. The job is physical for the most part with any of these frontline jobs. So there should be a physical CV, a health CV. And if you don't have these requirements. Now, I know they have the fitness tests. But for me, it's like going for that job as the CEO of Apple or whatever like that. And they ask you, have you ever sat in an office chair before? Yeah. Okay, you're in. Like there's one requirement are you able to walk are you able to do a mile in nine minutes are you able to do ten push ups or whatever it is I spoke to the intake officer for the army who does the fitness tests I mentioned and he's terrified and shocked and appalled at the decline in people's abilities and it wasn't even a hard test to begin with and they've had to actually restructure the test now because so many people were failing the physical side and they were fine with the, the, the interview and all the, um, the aptitude tests but the CV, the, the requirements for that job don't match the job itself. So then you get a lot of people who go into the job. And as you said, they're not in good condition. And I don't care what anybody says. It is a requirement for a job. If you're in the Guard, if you're in the, the Army and if you're a firefighter, it is a physical job. You have to be physically able. But now these people are in there and I understand the conditions in the job sometimes might not be ideal. And you could be sitting in your car all day. You might be in the office whatever like that. However... Even those parts of those forces, as you've mentioned with corporate, could massively benefit from being healthier. So that health CV doesn't exist for these Or you jobs.
1: get people that just train for the test. Uh,
0: not Most people. That's right, it. My test is coming up in six months and yeah. I'll beat that test. And then that's they about. fall off the
1: wagon. Yeah. But again, it's not an individual attack on any one Absolutely of these people. That They're amazing at. people. Where I'm looking at the, the bigger picture here as to why it's not implemented. And I know I've lost out on certain contracts with certain bodies because they say it costs too much. Like, I don't think the price of my services is high. And to go through all these levels of tick boxes to get to the final stage to go, no, it costs too much money. I just, I couldn't believe it. Like, I just can't understand why we don't emphasize health through exercise and nutrition.
0: Well, doesn't it come back to the same point we mentioned? Why why isn't this in the schools? It's yeah. not a priority for that system. No. Their budget is elsewhere, whatever it is. I, 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 I I'd be disrespectful to try and say what I knew it was about, but I don't know. what, what But their priority is not the health and wellness or physical ability mm. of their force. It's, it's elsewhere because the money's there. Yeah, The money is there. It's just not in the places that people like myself and yourself believe it should be. Mm. Now, other people have other priorities, and I'm sure there's, there's, other, there's more nuances to where the money goes and the guards and all that kind of stuff. We won't get into that. Um, But from a health point of view, what you're saying can't be denied. They will be better. They will be happier. They will be healthier. They will be more productive. They'd be less of a drain on the healthcare system. They'd be more able to educate their children who are the next generation who are struggling. (laughs) Like eh, positives everywhere. And I know I'm a bit of a a fanatic when it comes to this stuff. And you've, you've seen me now in this podcast go off on rants and get really passionate. But I'm the same as you. I see how this can improve people's lives. It's improved my life. It's improved people in my family have made changes. It's improved their lives. And it's so inspiring and powerful when you see it. It's addictive to be involved in this. And it's good for you. It's 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 amazing. That's why I get so passionate about it. But put this into the real world scenario. Why? Why won't they pay €65 Euro for a test? Because it's not a priority. We need to change that. And I hate being one of these people sitting on radio shows and podcasting. We need to change this. How? We've just done an hour and 40 minutes talking about how take control again if you're a guard or in the army. Now, you mentioned to me as well, which I think we have to say, there's lots of people in these jobs who are in incredible condition. Oh, absolutely. In incredible condition. Oh, they're absolute animals. I, have,
1: I have people that come to me individually. Yeah, yeah. Out of work, not and got to do with their work and says, okay, I want to get this done in to improve my Ability to carry on my job. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's great. Yeah. Like yeah. some of them are.
0: The- oh, I mentioned her name because she was on the podcast. She won't let me saying it. Rachel Lee was on this podcast. She's a firefighter, paramedic. She's also a, a record holding ocean swimmer and a, and a mother. And she's an incredible person. Mm. Her drive to to do better and to help and to apply all these lessons to raising her kids and doing her job and helping people. Absolutely amazing. And I'm fairly confident in saying that most people who join these professions, that's their motivation. Mm but there's no system there to support that motivation. No. If you want to do it, you've got to do it by yourself. Simple fact, take control of your own health. Done. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you, have I left that note from the, the <laughs> nutritional therapy <laughs> and metabolic side of things? I don't think so. I and, went off on one there.
1: I hope they link in well together because I know we covered <laughs> yeah. different topics, but they, they do. They all, it is, It's all there, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. You know?
0: It's all connected. Y- you have a very, very clear modus operandi when you were talking about fitness and health and aerobic versus anaerobic, when you talk about nutrition, when you talk about education, your you're modus operandi is very clear to me here. You're trying to help educate people and empower people. I think it's massively important. I think what you're doing is unbelievable. Like, this is what I said to you, you, you when we were talking first. It's like VO2max. How much can we talk about VO2max? Look, this, we're two podcasts in. We need four hours of conversation yeah. in and we're still going to do more. And it's it's all connected, like the okay, the VO two max is one metric, metabolic resting uh, rate is one metric, your Fitbit is one metric, how happy you are is one, how well you're sleeping is one metric. But the more we keep going over this stuff and the more people like you keep offering your services to to people who want to know this and who want to educate themselves, I wanna I wanna end this on a positive note. We're going the right direction. Here.
1: Yeah, like it's like, I'm sure there's gonna be people that listen to this that disagree. With oh, definitely the way we've done it. But it, at the at the end of the day it's it's an overall drive to increase health and performance of our nation so yeah. to speak not that I'm getting diplomatic saying <laughs> our nation but anyone that comes to, anyone that comes to me wants to improve their, their quality of life yeah realistically okay you know um or improve what makes them happy so they want to become a fitter athlete better stronger athlete increase threshold they want to understand why they're bloating they want to do x y and z you yeah. know so it's a difficult journey i think it is it's turning but i don't think it's going to happen anytime soon like i when i say the future of medicine is nutrition like i think i'm in a, in a great position that i'm, I'm yeah. qualified now like in 10 years down the line i think there's going to be so much more emphasis and so much more study into the power of uh, of nutrition and yeah giving it time and letting the body work with proper nutrition you will Reap the benefits of it endlessly. Yeah. realistically,
0: yeah. you know. So just just on the testing that you do, little recap for people because we talked about this with VO2. If someone comes in to you for metabolic yep. testing, obviously you've described the test and it's a quite. A, it's, not, it's not like VO2 max no, um, that's for sure. unless you do both On the same day. Can you do
1: both On the same day? Yeah, metabolic first. Metabolic first, okay. Because no exercise oh, before a metabolic, be exhausted yeah. after. the and VO2. Yeah, but your metabolism will be functioning yeah, a lot higher that's at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um,
0: after they've had the test, yep. the process does obviously the same as the VO2. It's not just there's your number, out you go.
1: No, so we run a couple of different consultations at the metabolic test. So we do just a standard metabolic test will be you come in, you get your test, we'll go through your data, your results, and that's it okay. in terms of there's no detailed application of applying it to nutrition, training, anything like that. We do an op, uh, up, an upgrade option, which is an hour long, which would include nutritional evaluation slash application of data. Okay, okay. So 65 euro for a 30 minute metabolic test and analysis, 95 euro, which would include that kind of upgrade to nutritional and application. Yeah. If you want to do VO2 on the day, we do metabolic, then we do your VO2, then you eat because you've come in starving yeah, yeah. Uh, and we'll go through the data which you, and they complement other really really well okay. and then you've someone that comes in that wants nutrition on top of that you've someone then what happens a lot of times with people do a metabolic test we talk a bit about nutrition all of a sudden you can see they're not sleeping stress is off control digestion out of whack so we can organise to do nutritional therapy then further down the line as a zoom call they don't have to come back you okay. know that type of thing so
0: this is not a promotional podcast. I don't do that. I only talk about things I genuinely believe in. Mm. And I'm delighted to have had you on. And thanks again. If anybody thinks that sounds like a lot of money for the testing and the follow up, just think about the investment in yourself. Think about all, the, all of the, the, the information you've just given for free, by the way. You've just given yeah. us all that information <laughs> for free um, and how much you could potentially change your life. And the monetary value that you're willing to invest in yourself and your health and how much money you may have spent over the years on different things that might not necessarily be good for you. Now, look, I get it. I understand. I drink a few pints every now and again because I enjoy it. So I'm investing in my enjoyment there, not necessarily my health. So I'm not saying think about all the money you spent on pints and you could have spent that on VO2. But that number, the couple of hundred you're going to spend on that testing. And again, it's not promotion. I just believe this. Is could be the best value for money, and I'm not just talking about health matters. Like obviously, it's a fantastic service there. I'm talking about investing money in your health, investing time in your health, investing in your education. Is what is going to make the difference long term. So if that's 65 euros, I can run on a treadmill. I'll just go and I'll do the algorithm myself and invest the money or invest the time. If you don't have the money, invest the time. Listen to the podcast. Do something. Move yourself closer to whatever it is you want to do. I'm not telling you what to do. Chance, I'm not telling you what to do. And, but it I is. will if you get tested. <laughs> yeah, if you get tested, I'll <laughs> definitely tell you what to do. But invest in yourself is the overriding message I'm hearing here. When you're talking about money and, and come and 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 do the VO2 and do the metabolic testing and upgrade to the consultation, some people go. Oh,
1: no, no, and I don't. I don't do any hard selling on it. I give people the absolute option what they want to do. Yeah, you know, and it's completely up to them. Call me naive, call it wrong from a business perspective. I don't push anyone to do something that they don't want to do. I'm much happier to get people to come in and, and do what they want to do based off their own inquiry rather than me saying, Oh, you need this, you have to have that. Yeah. One of the things I never get my head around is people that give out about the price of a gym membership and they drop 200 quid on a Friday night, nobody, you know, yeah. and like
0: it's just it's cliche, but you're so right. Yeah, it's cliche, like it's, you're so sorry. It's right about
1: again looking at the finances where they're going, is it contributing to an illness or an ailment or is it preventing it or yeah. you know, and I, I hear it quite regularly, you know, in yeah. terms of the price of a gym membership, but for me it's it's nothing. You can go seven days a week for your mental health, physical health, you know, it's it's it doesn't cost a lot. It's the
0: smart money. Very smart money. Yeah. yeah. And
1: that's that's what the hopefully the likes of what I can offer and any other person within the realm of what we are in the industry. Yeah. Um, not just me, but anyone else that has a qualification to, to educate you. Seek their help. You know what I mean? Don't try. If you're not successful, reach out to people. Pay them to do what they do in order for you to benefit from it. Yeah. It's not a waste. It's, it's, it's a, a value proposition. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it is an investment in your own health. But when you invest in your own health, you invest in the health of your partners, your children, you know, their children. You know, it's, it's a knock on effect for everyone. So yeah. look at the bigger picture.
0: What a great, what a great, loads of sound bites, and this one's a great, a great note to finish on. Sean Canaan, thank you very much for the second podcast. No Problem, there'll be a third, don't worry, there'll be a third. No but uh, I really appreciate your time, really appreciate the conversation, and uh, I'll chat to you soon.
1: Yeah, look, if anyone wants to reach out, oh sorry, yeah, the um, <laughs> the website My Health Matters, yeah. we're on all social media. They can be tagged on on this, um, Instagram, Facebook, and, and Twitter. If anyone wants to reach out and ask me questions if they don't think the testing is going to be for them and they want to know a bit more about it, by all means, give me a call. There's no issue on it and as I said to you, I never even mentioned it on the last one but um, I can offer a discount coming through you so anyone that listens to the primal Podcast just make sure that you mentioned that you've listened to the podcast and we'll give you a discount on there. Yeah, and absolutely.
0: Yeah, there's no, no excuses. Now, and full disclosure, I'm actually going to have my testing done with Sean as well. So yeah. if the numbers are good, I'll <laughs> tell you what happened. But uh, I'll definitely, I'll update that as well. And I'll include all the links to find you and all that kind of stuff in your social as well. Because as I said, it's about engaging with this stuff long term. It's not about just, all right, I've heard Sean, great. And then forgetting about everything that you
1: well, said. thing, actually, just before we wrap up, um, to show you the way I think areas are evolving, we're actually affiliated with Irish Life Health now. So you're entitled to free testing if oh, you have the unreal. right plans on Irish Life Health. So
0: This look, is what's going to change things. Look,
1: look into your plan because look at, at the end of the day if, if they, if we or they can make you healthier and happier there's going to be the less issue or the less emphasis on claims and, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. So look, if you have Irish Life Health look into your policy metabolic and VO2 testing unreal. and nutritional therapy.
0: Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah super. Sean, thanks a 1000000 It's been a pleasure Dan. Thanks Absolutely. a lot. To you soon. And that's a wrap on another knowledge-filled whopper with the one and only Sean canada Thank you, Sean. We're already looking forward to number three. Ladies and gentlemen, this type of information is what I live for. It's pure value that we can use to better ourselves, improve our lives, become healthier and happier, and move closer to those goals that we all have. And I hope you all gain as much from these episodes as I do. As Sean mentioned, if anyone's interested in metabolic or VO2 testing, you can get in touch with him through any of the channels we have listed in the show notes over at www.primal.ie forward slash Sean if you're enjoying the Primal podcast and you want more and more content like this in 2021, please do take 20 seconds to subscribe and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the show. This helps even more people to find us and keeps the wheels turning in a major way. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Primal Pro, O for all of the updates on new episodes, guests, and more interesting related content. As always, thank you so much for listening and see you in the next one.